Support for the Fast Lane is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Guys, if you're tired of taking a straight razor to your beanbag, and who wouldn't, then take my advice and try out Manscaped. They just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which is sweet. We've all been there. You're trying to clean things up below the belt, and you're shaking like an old washing machine on a spin cycle because you've got a razor to your eggs, and you can't see a thing. Well, not anymore, my friends. This Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer by Manscaped features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents, all while giving you a closer and more precise trim. Plus, one of the best features of the Lawnmower 3.0 comes with a LED light, so you can see what you're doing down there. So trust me, stop with the painful grooming tactics and trim up your huevos rancheros with the Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. Your nuggets are going to thank you when you're all set and done. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FASTLANE, all one word, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code FASTLANE, all one word. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Brad Thompson and Chris Ranji. I'm Anthony Stalter. Boys, are we past the point that we know the Major League Baseball season is going to start? Hell yes. That's where I'm at. Hell yes. Take that, Buster Olney. Take I that. It, I thought it was only. Well, you you thought it was only. He it's said, not, though. No, Buster Olney said it was only 5%. Okay. I think it's a little bit higher. Don't you agree? Start, yes. Finish, eh. I don't know. But you feel good about it starting. I do feel pretty good about it starting. So we're talking about uh, how many days it's the 16th. I can't do math. The 23rd is when the season officially starts, right? So how many days is that? Six. Seven? I don't know. Is it seven? Friday, oh, next Friday on, is the Cardinals home opener. Right? Okay, so, 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 yeah. math so a, week, a week from today... Uh, I suppose things can go wrong, but I, I, you know, I feel pretty good about it. We're going to get the season going. I don't know if it's going to finish, but I feel pretty good that, about the fact that we're going to have actual baseball on Thursday. Well, do you want to hear Next uh, Thursday. from one of the industry experts on this very topic? Is Who else Buster? are we going to hear I don't from? I want to hear from Buster. Not be Buster. Honest. I like Buster, but he's been too negative. It's not Buster. Who is it? Jeff Pass and all five nine of them. Big fella, what do you got to say? I think a season's starting, and look, the the closer that we get to a season starting, I think the closer we get to a season finishing. I, I feel like this is not something that they want to start and then stop in the middle. This is not something that you want to invest the time, the money, everything right. in, only to get the playoffs taken away. So my confidence at the beginning of training camps was, you know, 50% we're going to get to a season. I'm about at 100 at this point. It's just going to take something, you know, a, a massive outbreak with a team that totally screws everything up. And so far, teams have been doing a pretty good job of following protocols. Stay in your bubble. 100%. Stay in your bubble. And we can have a, a World Series champion. Just stay in the bubble. Right? Is it that simple? And, and we, uh, the rest of us, kind of yes. need to do our part too. I think you know, no. wear your mask in public. Yeah, you probably should if you go to Walmart. Although you have to now anyway. Uh, you know, do the mask thing, and then there won't be outbreaks in cities, and uh, players won't catch your crap. And then we can have a baseball season, and we can have a World Series. 
I'm pretty sure. I like the sound of that. I do too. Uh, teams and players at this point, at the very least, they get it. Like they understand what uh, the, the hurdles that they're going to have to go through. The hope is that all of these things get streamlined even more. We still have players that have to wait an extra day because their test hasn't come in or it's inconclusive and they got to test again. Like these things are still happening and maybe they'll continue to happen throughout the season. Look, you adapt, you adjust. That's why you have three players that are with you at all time. You're attacking squad so you have extra players there that's why you have your taxi squad in your minor league city the the Cardinals will have players in Springfield you should be covered issues will pop up but if you continue to be diligent just like we've seen here through you know the first couple of weeks here of summer camp presented by Camping World nice then I mean I don't know why I say it we're not getting paid for (laughs) it but, I kind of wondered that before, but I just I followed you know, the line. It, it like just a sheep. sounds it just sounds right. You know? yeah. That's right. Hey, camping know, world, camping world could be here. They did not pay big money for you to not say it. They didn't. Yeah, pay they didn't pay us any money. No. Oh, no. anyway, no, summer one camp red cent. in general, right? Everybody's done a good job of this so far. And and my thing is just trying to think, getting back into the mind of a player in general. Why go through all of these these hurdles and why put yourself and potentially whether you believe it's a big deal that these guys are leaving their families, a lot of them for the year or not, that's neither here nor there. For, for them, it is a big deal. Um, it, why go through all of this stuff if you're not going to see it through? You know, if you're if you're not bought in for the entire year, I believe that they are. I would I would say so as well. The finishing part, as you said, Ranji, that yeah, a little question mark, but think they've ironed out some of the issues i think the worst of the positive covid test for major league baseball hopefully behind us now because you had you figured that was going to be the worst guys coming from different countries different cities all that got the quarantine aspect of it now the pitchers aren't going to be ready to go which is why the hitters are likely to be (laughs) ahead of the pitchers when we ramp things up here in a couple of weeks i just heard somebody talking the other day about how timing wasn't there for hitters yeah, yeah everybody a very, a very has said reputable the, source. Everybody, everybody has said guess. the pitchers will be I ahead. I don't think so at all. I'm going to fade but, everybody's opinion. You know, um, go ahead, Ron. Well, no, I, I was just going to say, like, it's a. I do think we're going to get this thing going. I feel pretty confident about that. I my, here's my major concern: is that the players who are adhering to everything they're supposed to be, at least at this point, you have to remember they've only been doing it for a couple of weeks. Are they going to get to a point? like three weeks from now where they're tired of protocols where they're like, eh, of course, God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. And if you do that, then we're not even halfway through the season yet. And then they step out and they go do something they're not supposed to do and then come back and they catch something and spread it to a bunch of teammates. And then the season is in jeopardy. That's the one thing I am concerned about is that people get tired like uh, we've kind of done here in America altogether. We've been tired of following protocols. I'm going to imagine players are going to do the same thing, at least a handful, and hopefully they don't ruin the whole operation. Well, I will have it yeah. figured out. Yeah. I hope so. I hope you guys are right, man. I just... Uh, I'm I'm putting a lot of uh, well, 
hope, I think, is the best word to use here. I mean, they've they've got to stick to protocols. They it's always to. about hope, big boy. That's right. Even without the the worry of players stepping out, because I like, I get it. Like that part of it's there. It's human nature, right? Get tired of certain things. I understand that aspect of it, uh, Anthony. I do agree that the getting everybody back in and clearing some of these hurdles. All, although uh, for all these teams, hell for the Cardinals, not all these hurdles are clear. You got three guys unaccounted for. Well, Hennessy's Cabrera is accounted for, but he's been positive twice. Alex Reyes is unaccounted for. We know Giovanni Gallego is still is, in Mexico. We know where so, these guys are. Ish, ish, ish. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the the thing that I do, I don't worry about necessarily, but I, I do find interest, uh, yeah, interesting is just the travel in general. Like, yeah. like so what is all of that going to look like? Because you could do everything that you're supposed to be doing, but if you get to these hotels and the people that have been making up your room or, or the people that have been you know, pre- preparing all of your food and doing all these things, all it takes is like one slip up. And that could end up being a bigger slip up. But you know what? It, it comes down to the testing day in and day out. It comes back to getting your results. I do commend the teams, by the way. And I don't know, maybe there were ramifications if they went a different direction with it. But the teams that held all their people out or canceled practices in general so far because they didn't get a result back yet. They said, what's the point? What's the point of risking it? If we don't have all of our information we can't throw these guys out there. I don't know if we have the leeway, boys, in a 60-game season to run into a situation like that right. where it's come 5 o'clock and we don't have our tests in right. and we got a game coming up. Like I don't know if you, you can get away with something like that. But, look, teams have been very diligent thus far. You know what else they need? A snitch hotline. You I'm gotta, not snitching. you got to have a snitch hotline. I'm no snitch. It's hard to do that when it's just your team. So if you're in a bubble... It's cool. Yeah. But if if it's just your team and you have your own team snitch hotline, I think that that's a problem. Now, don't uh, don't kid yourself. I pretty much guarantee you that there will be a person on every single staff around Major League Baseball. You know what their job is going to be? Snitch. Snitch. Come it, on, man. Yeah, man. Got to have a snitch. It's going to be somebody whose job is to hang out in the hotel lobby, whose job is to see what time guys are coming in. Maybe Where have what you time been? They're coming out. Maybe Where are see, you going? Yeah. Hey, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Maybe you hadn't heard. We're shut down. Shut it down. Uh, there, there will be somebody there to do that. Guys are going to figure that part of it out. We hope. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hey, <laughs> hey. I mean, fingers crossed. Everybody, hey. Uh, uh, hey. you could use it. I'm going to use it. No, all right? no, 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 no. You can't rail against the word all this time and then suddenly start to use it. Two thirteen. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Hypocrite. I can do anything I damn well please. Chris Rogers, Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. Craig Berube was just on with BK and Rivers, and you know what? He got shafted. Shafted, I say. We'll tell you. We'll tell you why next here in the Fast Lane on One Hundred and One ESPN. More of what you want to hear, sports. This is the Fast Lane, broadcasting live from the Car Shield Studio on One Hundred and One ESPN. Make hard plays. Support each other. Five man units in all three zones. Need numbers around the puck. Pump it up here. We're here for a f- reason because we're a. F- good hockey team and we're gonna come home with a cup here tonight let's go and how can you not blank vote for that guy yeah yeah something wrong with you not me not you i mean the royal you right craig baruby wasn't even a finalist for the jack adams award which is awarded of course annually to the nhl's coach 
that, uh, you know, is basically contributed the most to his team's success. Whatever. (laughs) That's what the Jack Adams Award is. I'm sorry, I didn't realize that, you know, having the Stanley Cup winner from a year ago, leading them back to the playoffs, putting them in a great spot as one of the elite teams in the league, I didn't realize that was such a bad thing, boys. But apparently it is. He's not even a finalist for the Jack Adams Award. Who screwed up? I I know there's a little uh, hometown bias here, maybe. Not one bit. On our part, maybe a little bit. But he takes over a team that is dead last last year. And I know last year doesn't affect this year. But the fact he took that team, made them a champion, and then continued that... With them in first place in their division, in the conference, this late in the following season, how does that not automatically put you in the conversation? And I don't mean just in the conversation, but you should be a finalist by virtue of that alone. Should you not? I would think so. So, I mean, are, are we are we saying that uh, the talent ended up playing to its capability anyway last year? That that was going to happen anyway? And that now they're in first place in the conference uh, uh, subsequent season uh, in in spite of him? I don't think you can make that argument. This is how I it works. He cares. This is, it, no, he doesn't. No, no he doesn't. We're just going to fight for him. Right. Okay? Right. I'm, I'm an advocate for uh, yeah. Rubes. You know what? I stand for America. So yeah. let's talk about... Pretty sure he's Canadian. Sc- he is. He but is. I stand for America. Happy 4th. Thank you. So when I see somebody get jobbed... We're going to talk about it. But no, he probably doesn't care. This is how it works, though, with these these awards, isn't it? Especially with managers or coaches. If your team wasn't likely to challenge for a playoff spot, and then you challenge for a playoff spot, coach of the year? Yep, for sure. That's how it works. We've seen it all the time, Brad, in, in baseball. No, you're right. That, that is. It, it's about expectation level coming in. And if you reach your expectation, well, that that's fine. If you overachieve, then all of a sudden you're in the middle of it. And it is fair to say that coming off of a Stanley Cup championship, that expectations are pretty damn high since you basically have, aside from a maroon, the same team. I mean, so I get that part of it. And I know that you can't couple in last year into this year. He should have won it last year. I mean, let's be honest. Him taking over and all the things that he did, you guys laid it out perfectly. Barry Trotz ended up being the winner last year. Not to take anything away from him, but I'd like to take it away from him. Because I believe that Barubi did so much. Yes, individuals stepped up. Yes, players play. But great coaches put them in the right position to succeed. And that's all that Craig Barubi has done. So he's not going to complain about it. He doesn't care. He's got his eyes on the prize. He would much rather hoist another Stanley Cup uh, than than a, a Coach of the Year award. That stuff means very little to him. But it doesn't mean that you didn't get screwed. In, in all seriousness here, and we, we are kind of, you know, doing a little hyperbole, you but are. he should have at least made you Oh, know, this is not hyperbolic. All right, fine. Whatever. We're not we're, we're not. we're being very serious here. I think it should be named after him. Adding, I want him win it. They should change it. Adding to the seriousness, he was the first domino. When you look back last year at the Blues, the first domino to fall for the Blues to go from dead last to hoisting the Stanley Cup was Craig Berube being placed as the interim head coach. 
He was the first guy. And immediately, to use a uh, hitchism, there was buy-in. He put guys in the right spot. Jamie was just talking about in the crossover, moving Robert Thomas onto a line that he was going to have success with guys like Tyler Bozak and uh, Pat Maroon. Putting guys in position to succeed, veterans or otherwise. Commanding the respect from veterans when he may have dropped somebody down to give more minutes to somebody else. The the respect and the the demand to play that two-way game that everybody's always talking about. He was the very first domino to fall when you're talking about the Blues making their run to the Stanley Cup last year. And it did take a little bit of time. He may have put people in the right position, but it took some weeks for it to actually start to gel because if I mean if you remember which is funny to say I mean weeks isn't isn't that much no it isn't but it um, if you remember at the time uh, Joel Quenville had become available and Baruby was there in the interim and things didn't get off to a great start immediately once he took over again it, it takes a little bit of time for your you know whatever system you've put into place um, for it to start to work you know it takes some time and people were still, and I think we probably even had the conversation too, should the Blues go get Q? Should they bring him back? I said yes, absolutely. And I, and I think I did too. Get him. I did too. because I, <laughs> Idiots. Right? My, my feeling was I, I wanted this team that I knew was talented to realize all that potential, and I thought that Q might be able to step in and do it pretty quickly because the guy had a really recent track record of multiple Stanley Cups in a very short period of time. So I thought, all right, let's let's get him in here and see if he can do it. But after a while, it didn't matter anymore because Baruby clearly emerged as somebody who belonged in that position. Yeah, I'd have the team traded around the deadline. I. So did they, in fairness. Like they, they they had contingency plans. Doug Armstrong even said at the time, he said, you know, we were probably one bad road trip away from right. tearing this whole thing down. I had hometown hero gone. I, I thought Maroon was gonna be gone. Because there was a date, I forget exactly what it was, but but uh something else was gonna kick in. And uh, pretty much everybody had him traded before mm-hmm. that. Good thing that didn't happen, by the way. I don't know. So, and that goes credit again. We're talking about Craig Berube and the fact that he got jobbed yet again. Uh, but um, Army did such a good job of like having a feel for his team and realizing that all the stuff that we were talking about coming in, it's like, well, they're good on paper. They look good here. All this stuff looks good. What the hell? And then having the patience to actually go through it, go through the coaching change, and then give it a little bit of time to grab some footing. I mean, he's, he's done a magnificent job. Certainly. And way, another uh, Jack Adams Award finalist job. Well, yeah, he got jobbed all right. Mm-hmm. Uh, another very important point that a texter brings up is that he's done this this season without Tarasenko. That's your, that is your best, most gifted goal scorer, and you haven't had him for pretty much, well, most of the year. In ever. I mean, it's when, when was he available last? November? March, Ooh, November. November. Carry the two... It was 10 total yeah. games, right? Yeah. 10? Six. I mean, so you late did, October. I think he got hurt in late October. You're in first place in your conference. A difficult conference, by the way. Like, really, really tough. And you've done all of that without your guy. That's a, that is a pretty impressive thing to have your team where it is now. And, and after having played all of those games last year, and everybody talks about the Stanley Cup hangover and how difficult it is, how exhausting it is, to jump into the very next season, they don't look, or they did not look, 
before the pandemic hit, like a team that was tired. And that is him. And if they make it again, he will have a massive role in that as well. Not just from a an X's and O's standpoint, but for having a team have as much layoff as the pandemic afforded there, right. and then to get them to get them back and ready to go again. This will be another difficult Certainly. job. Chris Ronji, Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Who's taking the bigger risk, Dak Prescott or the Dallas Cowboys? Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN Radio is going to join us next. We'll talk about that. Peer into the Derrick Henry deal as well. The Titans give Henry too much money. Again, we'll talk about it with Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN Radio, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to it. The Fast Lane, brought to you by Schnucks on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Chris Ronji and Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're joined by ESPN Radio NFL Insider, former Jets general manager, front office personnel man for the Miami Dolphins, and my co-host on Football Frenzy every Sunday during the fall. Mike, always a pleasure to chat with you. It's Mike Tannenbaum. How are you doing today? Great. Good to hear from you, Anthony. How's everything? Everything's going pretty well, Mike. Looking forward to seeing you hopefully again in, in the fall. Uh, let's let's talk about Dak Prescott. As a former general manager, when you look at it from that prism, are you surprised that the Cowboys didn't get something done with Dak Prescott? I am, and I think they should have, and we've talked about this quite a bit over the last year. When you go back a year ago, when they signed good but not great players like L. Collins and Demarcus Lawrence, Jalen Smith, those are great very good football players, but they're replaceable parts. And when you have a young, high-character, productive quarterback like Dak Prescott, to me, he should have been the absolute priority to get signed first. So uh, when you when you look at, uh, we just hear rumors, right? The rumors we hear is that Dak turned down a deal that guaranteed him at least a hundred million. We also heard that they were fighting over the four or five years. The team wanted five. Dak wanted four. What do you think was going to have to happen to make this deal get done? Well, I think Mahomes complicated things somewhat. You know, if Russell Wilson's there at 35 and he's at 45, you know, I got to think he's, Dak has to be at 36 or 37 million. And I think a year ago, when you look at guys like Carson Wentz and Jared Goff and Tannehill recently got to be in that low 30s number, made a lot of sense. And, you know, now I just think um, that window's closed for Dallas. Why do you think it seems like Dallas was more concerned with uh, you know, getting Zeke that deal before getting the quarterback uh, the contract he wants? Yeah, it certainly seemed that way. I think it's a mistake. Uh, I think Zeke's a good player, and he's replaceable. Um, when you get a player like Dak Prescott, again, he may not be perfect, but when you don't have that quarterback, it's uh, even worse. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN Radio, uh, NFL Insider, joins us right now in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. One more thing on Dak Prescott, Mike. We saw a, a, a tweet by Prescott's brother that said, after today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for the Cowboys when you look toward next year. Is, da- is Dak Prescott still a Dallas Cowboy, or do you feel as though that he winds up getting his long-term deal with somebody else? Yeah, I'd say it's a 40% chance that he's there because they have to pay him thirty, about $37 million on the franchise tag on a one-year deal. So it could make sense for both sides to move on. And, you know, we're talking about Kirk Cousins getting a huge deal with Minnesota when uh, he left Washington. Imagine what Dak Prescott could get um, at 27 years old 
as a franchise quarterback when so many teams need quarterbacks. Mike, what was your impression of the deal? Obviously a monster deal that came down for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, but when many look at it, they say, look, it still gives the Chiefs a little bit of flexibility. It still is fairly team-friendly. From your standpoint, what did you think about it? I thought it made a lot of sense from Kansas City's standpoint. You know, they have their best player now locked up for 12 years. The cap numbers are going to go up, but the first two years they're kind of low, which allows you know players like Chris Jones to still be there maybe Sammy Watkins. So I think that made a lot of sense. And then um, if I'm Mahomes, what I'm saying is, hey, you know what? I have $140 million guaranteed. That that gives me, obviously, incredible security. And then, you know, we'll, we'll go from there and I'll, you know, make great money. I'm not going to get a second bite of the apple, but if I can win championships. I thought it was clear when you looked at that, like Mahomes put his uh, money where his mouth is. When the deal first happened, um, I, I heard from a lot of people who would say things like, man, I would love to take a look at this contract and see every little detail is in it. Is it is it as complicated as it seems? Well, you know, from a standpoint, like there are some guarantees that trigger in subsequent years. So, um, But that's somewhat perfunctory in the NFL uh, and that landscape. So, um, you know, the numbers are obviously massive, but the structure is not totally... Um, it's within the realm of what like the marketplace is. Now, with that said, um, the, the guarantees do burn off about halfway through the deal. You know, there will be some risk for, for Mahomes, but by then he'll have made, you know, upwards of like $224 million, $100 million. So there's such, you know, substantial uh, cash in this deal that even after the fifth year, I mean, it's still, it's hard to walk away from, again, $224 million. I mean, when the cap's a hundred million, uh, you know, the whole salary cap this year is going to be two hundred million dollars. So for him to get that over five years is really remarkable. Mike Tannenbaum, NFL Insider with ESPN Radio, joins us right now here on One One ESPN. All of ESPN, I should say, not just ESPN Radio. Former general manager with the Jets, front office personnel man for the Dolphins. Mike Derrick Henry signs a four-year, fifty million dollar contract, twenty-five and a half million guaranteed. What do you think about Derrick Henry's deal? Again, that was a deal that made a ton of sense to me, guys. You know, he got about $2 million over what the back-to-back franchise tag would be. If you're a running back, you look at that market next year, Joe Mixon, Kenyon, Drake, Leonard Fournette. I mean, it's loaded. Supply is way, way out distancing demand, so that's going to suppress the salaries. If you're Tennessee, you know, for a couple million dollars over the franchise tag, you know, you're going to keep one of your best players happy. So I think that was a deal that really made sense to both sides. Hey, Mike, as a former general manager, when you're looking at – what well really it's a lot of uncertainty with the salary cap how are you if you're a general manager right now how are you preparing yourself for what's to come with the nfl salary cap yeah that's a great question um i think you really have to be uh very flexible and understand that things are are very very fluid uh hopefully that gets worked out from a collectively bargain standpoint you know if we just go back three months which with the pandemic just seems like a hundred years ago Fortunately, the CBA got done. They gave the league and the union 10 years apiece. And why that's important now is if the cap's going to go down or maybe stay flat, you have 10 years to kind of smooth out the economics. And uh, the, the could you imagine if we were going into a lockout and the cap going down? That would be really hard to navigate. So hopefully, you know, both sides can work this out where reasonable precautions are taking place from a non-economic standpoint and from the economics there certainly could be like a smoothing of if this cap does go down. 
Mike, we were having a conversation in the office earlier, just talking about quarterbacks and where they land. And the conversation was about Deshaun Watson and him landing with the Texans. Mahomes obviously landing with the Chiefs and with Andy Reid. And we know this, to have success in the NFL, you have got to be wildly talented. And these guys are all amazing athletes. But from your perspective, how much does it matter, the landing spot? Like, how much does it matter where a guy gets drafted, and specifically talking about quarterbacks, and what kind of a system they go into? Well, I think you, you need alignment between play caller, head coach, general manager. Um, is it a pocket passer? Is it somebody that needs mobility? You know, clearly, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyle Murray were tied to the hip. That's going to give Murray the best chance to be successful. I, I think it's just about alignment. Um, and clearly, like when you trade up for somebody like Patrick Mahomes, um, Andy Reid's on board with that. You know, there's just a lot of examples where I do think you want to have complete alignment. And when you do, that is going to give you your best chance to be successful. It's so hard to win this league and develop a quarterback. The more boxes you can check, it just increases the chances of success. And again, that still doesn't guarantee anything. In a case like Mahomes, though, um, do, does that talent eventually emerge anyway? You know, it's interesting. I think he would be successful anywhere because he is so good. Um, you know, one of the things we forget is he, he, he basically sat his rookie year. You know, he sat behind Alex Smith and learned a ton. So, uh, you know, it, it is interesting just from a standpoint of um, I've been around quarterbacks like a Chad Pennington, you know, who sat for a couple of years, and it does do them well. Like, in terms of the quarterback is a developmental position, so – I think that helped Mahomes. I think he would have been great anyway. But, um, you know, you look at players like Dwayne Haskins, a one-year starter at Ohio State. Like, the more he could sit and learn, the better. Hey, if you're looking for insight from a general manager standpoint, give Mike a follow on Twitter, at Real Tannenbaum. Mike does a tremendous job for both ESPN Radio and you see him all the time on TV as well. And, Mike, I'm looking forward to hopefully having another chance to do some radio with you in the fall. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, really appreciate it, guys. Uh, Stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. Same to you. Thanks, Mike. That's Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets general manager and in the player personnel department as well for the Miami Dolphins. And if you missed it earlier, he he liked the Derrick Henry deal. He was fine with the Patrick Mahomes deal. There's some things there that get get a little complicated from the contract situation. But I, I do think it's interesting, guys, when you look at general managers right now, and not only the NFL, in all leagues, trying to prepare for what the cap space is going to be or what the budget's going to look like for Major League Baseball with no cap there, I would not want to be a general manager or a president of baseball operations right now. No, it ain't easy. It's not easy. I know right now, like the NFLPA going into next year, they're uh, they're pushing for a flat cap. You've got some owners already pushing back on saying, no, we want we need money back and we need it here now. It's tough to navigate, but that's why it's even all that more important to get your most important pieces taken care of. And that's the one that kind of leaves you scratching your head a little bit when it comes to Dak and the Cowboys, but we don't know how they feel. I will say this on their their part, just talking about the Cowboys in general, Jerry Jones is pretty infamous for at the last minute giving the player what the player wanted. Like that generally happened. That's what people expected to happen in this deal with Dak, and he didn't. Like he stayed pretty firm. Uh, is it a good football decision? Don't know. 
We're going to find out, but at least it was a different football decision for Jerry Jones. You know, believe it or not, there is a belief out there in football circles that you can actually uh, negotiate with Jerry Jones, that he's not nearly as hard-headed as he appears to be in public to the rest of us. Um, So I I think that's curious because he just does not seem like that kind of guy at all. Like from what we know of him and what we see and the way he talks and presents himself, it just seems like he's so damn hard line about everything. But apparently, uh, you know, you you can negotiate with him. That's Chris Ranji, Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. What's Trending is next in the Fast Lane. Here's a look of what's trending with the Fast Lane. Brought to you by Sears Equipment and Mark Zero Turn Mowers. Ready to work for you. SearsEquipment.com. With Chris Ranji and Brad Thompson, I'm Anthony Stalter. Time for What's Trending. Here's me. Fellas, during this pandemic, we've had a lot of negative, depressing, down news. Today, some positivity, though. Baseball, we should be confident about it. Jeff Passan is today on ESPN, Spain and Company. He uh, gave some promising hope for the people. My confidence at the beginning of training camps was, you know, 50% we're going to get to a season. I'm about at 100 at this point. 100 percent i like those odds i mean i got percentages i have no choice but to trust him he's an expert he is jeff pass in front of the show he's cost me ten dollars before mm-hmm. by not being over five was it five ten and a half yeah yeah he looks taller but i like the way that he's thinking no stuff we we don't uh we we're getting so used to every single day like, I would wake up in the morning, and I know you guys do the same thing. First thing I do is, like, I look at the sports news, and there was a period where every time I looked, I'd go, oh, God. Like, looking, like, through my eyes, trying to see exactly what it is. But now it's, like, more exciting. And it's been really fun this week because, I mean, we're eight days away from opening day for the Cardinals. It's been fun to, like, dig into actual baseball topics and, like, real things. And those things feel tangible. It was great to watch the live stream of the game the other day with Danny Mac on it. Like, like that made me feel like we're getting closer and closer. I believe it's going to happen. We can't all just go back to, and when I say we, I mean them. You play one game, it's like, oh, it's baseball season. Everything's normal again. Let's go out for drinks. Probably can't do that. Not that they would anyhow. Right. I think that these athletes have changed quite a bit over the years. These oh, are yeah? finely tuned athletes. Oh, yeah? They make mm-hmm. strong decisions, mm-hmm. and they take care of their bodies that they know are going to take care of them through the rigors of a 60 game season so is that um, right yeah they're gonna, they're is, gonna take uh, care of themselves i love the idealistic thought process there I, I really hope these guys do it though i mean they gotta be careful if you want the season to to finish right i don't i don't see any other way to make it happen you guys want some like kind of breaking news only if you play a breaking news sounder first i mean that's the only way to break news 101 espn breaking news alert Dan Snyder, the Washington owner, not a great guy. Uh, that's, that's our breaking news. There's supposed to be some actual breaking news that uh, is going to come out hopefully today. The Washington Post uh, apparently has some dirt on Dan Snyder. Uh, I think oh, everybody kind of knows he's not a great guy, but we're going to get more information Did you just as to why he's not a great guy. To say later there might be breaking <laughs> I broke news. news to say he's not a great guy. Yeah, but yeah. it's. You did breaking news yep. to say that there's going yep. to be yep. breaking news. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. that we have the breaking news. The breaking news was that he's not and a good guy. And apparently the breaking news, I mean, you can already tell by all the moves that have happened within the organization, all the people that are, are have been fired or have quit 
It's going down. They've hired an attorney. <laughs> yeah, so ESPN's Adam Schefter reports that minority shareholders of Washington's NFL team have hired Mogan Company to vet buyers in order to sell their stake in the team. Everyone associated with the team is seemingly looking for a way out prior to the Washington Post alleged bombshell regarding the organization's culture being published in the coming days. Dan Snyder, as BT just noted, has already hired a D.C. attorney to review and fight rampant speculation of ongoing protocols, but the storm is coming. And nobody really knows. There's there's, there's like one Reddit thread where people have started to chime in with rumors and Dude, we don't need, Reddit, we need to Reddit play is the best. Reddit is so dark, terrible, dark but it's place. great. It oh really my God. is. They break a lot of stuff too. It does happen. Don't know what to There's listen to. There's some sleuths. To. I've been thinking about putting it, well, and I'd have to put it up to a vote with you guys, but I've been thinking about seeing if we could add Reddit onto our list of credible sources. Everybody knows, if you listen to the show, you know what our credible sources are. The Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. If you type something to us, it is essentially gospel. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that is real. Wikipedia has never done us wrong. Not once. Not one time. If you pull something from Wikipedia, it is correct because everybody in the world can put stuff on Wikipedia. Everybody can't be wrong. And correct. Pizza.com. Yeah, pizza.com would be our third. There was a guy in, uh, dude, I don't know. There were like two different transactions, big transactions, uh, one with the Cubs, one with the White Sox a few years ago. And the guy who broke. The story for both of them uh, on Reddit, his name was Wet Butt Twenty Three. <laughs> oh, the always reliable Wet, Wet Butt, butt 30, 20, 23. Twenty Three. Yeah, he broke two Dyslexia. big time stories. Let's go to Ronge with the news, guys. We do actually have breaking news. Uh, it turns out Ernie Banks is dead. Yeah, we told yeah. Ronge. We told you that. No, I just I confirmed it. Why didn't you confirm it at the time? When we were talking about yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, because I was three... pretty... I, I didn't need your confirmation. I just looked at pizza.com, though. He he did die. Yeah. He's gone. You guys knew this? We did. Are and you sure? Sh- yeah, we shared that news. I don't yeah. believe you. Now, of course, let's play two. Andrew Brent. Andrew, Andrew Brent. We talked about Craig Berube. And there goes another email to Mike Ryder. Oh, hey, <laughs> our guy, Mike Ryder. Mike Ryder is basically currently like in charge of all things that are 101 ESPN. He's got his hand in everything, and that is taking emails <laughs> from from mad listeners, yeah. which happens. Mostly our show. Yeah, it is always our show. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a bunch of emails already that he's had to reply to. So these idiots, youngsters... Don't know who said let's play let's play two. Who's Andrew Brandt anyhow? That's just, my, just remember, we know. That's my we favorite know. part. The people that are emailing don't know who Andrew Brand is. Yeah. Like the, the the one email yesterday that Mike read off to us yeah. from the, the guy that's like, look, I've watched sports a long time. These guys can't criticize listeners without fact checking themselves. There's Ernie Banks. They kept they kept re- uh, attributing I don't even know who the guy was. Yeah. Yeah, it's Andrew, well, Andrew Brandt. Here's a fact. Reddit is run by 37 12-year-olds. All of them are named <laughs> Kevin, boys and girls. That's a fact from the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. And a text right above it says, uh, Ernie Banks here, I am not dead. No. So now have. I'm confused. Really? Right. Well, I don't know what to believe. 
If pizza.com's got it, I think we got to run with pizza.com. we also say the text line uh, is yeah. never wrong, so mm-hmm. now what? What about this one, then? Anthony sucks. This is gospel. Mm-hmm. Signed, Anthony sucks. A.S. <laughs> <laughs> that one is fact. That one is from the Air Comfort Service text line. Thanks for listening, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> So Craig Bruby got screwed out of the Jack Adams Award. If Ryan O'Reilly gets screwed out of the Lady Bing, this city is going to be livid. So the finalists, Austin Matthews, Ryan O'Reilly, Nathan McKinnon. You guys know what the Lady Bing Award is all about? Yeah, we do, but tell the people. Okay, so the Lady Bing Award, quote, is for the player who exhibited the best type of sportsmanship and gentlemanly conduct. Mm Mm-hmm. One of those may not fit into that category all that well. Austin Matthews, a phenomenal player. He may have had an incident last year where he harassed a, uh, I believe, a security officer, pulled his pants down at her. What? Did the Ace Ventura talking with his butt cheeks kind of thing? Are you making that up? No. Is that a real thing? How do you, you don't remember this? I don't remember this at all. Are you confusing him with Austin Dean or something? Wait, hold on. Yeah, that, 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 that did not happen. Austin Dean, Who, what, Austin Dean was, was confused it, with Austin Gomper. That's what it was. Was it Jonathan Taves or Patrick Kane? Patrick Kane no. that punched a cab driver. There you go. Yeah, he's a he is a, a wham. Yeah, he was charged with disorderly conduct. It was a uh, a security guard, a female security guard for the Maple Leafs. Leaving the stadium as some of the teammates, some of the players were, were messing around, jarring with her, pulled his pants down. His boxers were apparently still up, uh-huh. but did the Ace Ventura talking with the butt cheeks? Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, that can't that can't fly. Well, you're yeah, not going to win the award then. Do well, that. he shouldn't. He shouldn't even but be he's a, a finalist. finalist. Do you have any mints? Perhaps some banaka. <laughs> you like that, don't you? I do yeah. like it. I do. All right. I mean, not the fact that he did it. No, okay? but you like the movie. I didn't mind it. Yeah, that's Brad Thompson, Chris Ranji, Anthony Stalter. No scouts, potentially, in the stands for Major League Baseball. What does the future look like for scouting when it comes to the pandemic? And how does not having scouts in the stands, how does that impact the trade deadline? We'll discuss that in the Fastlane next on 101 ESPN. not having fans i'm sorry how can not having scouts in the stands impact major league baseball this year with brad thompson and chris ranji and anthony stalter there was a report earlier today that was released by ken rosenthal of the athletic that said that scouts will not be allowed at the ballpark to begin the 2020 season that's the plan to start the year reports rosenthal but the league will revisit the policy after games start this, of course, is related to the COVID-19 pandemic. I, BT, you would know better than I would on this, but if you don't have scouts in the stands to scout ahead of an opponent or to scout an opponent when it comes when it comes to figuring out who your team might trade for, I would think that would impact the trade deadline a little bit. Am, yeah. I, am I off on that? No, I, I think that it very well could, but, but I will just, uh, just right off the bat, um, with everything that's going on, and realizing that most scouts aren't 25-year-old athletes, 
you can't have them in. Like you, you can't let scouts into ballparks and be a part of it and, and be around right now. And I have the highest damn respect for scouts, whether it be amateur or professional, because I think that what they do is incredibly important. But right here, right now, in the beginning, I think that Major League Baseball is doing it right. You got to take care of your people. What do you look like as an organization if you're sending your 65, 70 year old scout out on the road somewhere? Right. He contracts something, and then all of a sudden. Uh, you know, you're you're in trouble. That's your guy that you sent in in harm's way. So that part of it makes all the sense in the world. But when it comes down to the overall impact of it, yes, it, it can affect a trade deadline. But at the very least, everyone is still in the same boat here. Everyone is still dealing with the same exact protocols. So. Uh, it's about the work that you've done in the past. It's about leaning on your people who you're still having your scouts work. You're still having them watch stuff. They're breaking down video. They're digging in uh, on maybe older reports of guys. They're they're looking at what they had in spring training. Like You still have a great idea of what you've got going. But I think that the biggest thing is that as long as everybody's in the same boat, if everybody has to deal with the same protocols, then I think that there will be few issues. You know, I've talked to a lot of scouts in my career, and one question I never even thought to ask is, could you do this job from home? Like, could you do could you do what you do as an advanced scout just by watching on television, be able to get the same sort of information, um, you know, little details that you can pick up that, that you can't see on TV? Are, are, are you capable of doing that at all? To the, to the fullest extent of what your job's supposed to be. I never thought to ask that question because I didn't really think this would ever become a problem. I, I, I never really foresaw a, a pandemic happening that would shut down baseball and prevent people from being in the building. God, think ahead, Ron. I know, right? <laughs> Why did I not do Bad this? time to take a sip of my water. <laughs> this, is, this is my fault? <laughs> I think so. Who yeah. else's Who else's fault would it be? I'm just saying, just think uh, you got to think no, ahead. I know, right. I know man. Yeah. I just—it's just something you never <laughs> thought of. The worst, expect the best. Mm-hmm. Right? Wait, no, Boy Plan Scouts. For the best, expect the worst. You know, something what? like that. Yeah, I but you never thought of out. something like this. I mean, yeah. this is. Um, so I—I I don't know if if how much is actually going to be missed, and maybe it doesn't really matter. It's only sixty games. Everybody, like BT said, is on a, a level playing field here, so you're not going to be able to get a one up on another team by. I don't know. Maybe somebody will hide a scout in the building somewhere. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, to be honest, it's going to be the I Astros. I guess it could happen, right? It could. Well, maybe he's the mascot. You know what's funny? The, you bring up the Astros, who are uh, you know known cheaters. Um, you bring them up, but, but the Astros, as far as organization goes, because everybody handles their pro scouting like differently. No scouts, right? Dude, they have no scouts. They have <laughs> like literally zero pro scouts. Like they they don't have it. They they just don't go about yeah. it that way. They're like and the every, Bengals. Yeah, Bengals got like four guys. Every everybody else, every other team in the National Football league has like 80 scouts Bengals have like five but these guys are good i'm sorry but th- this is one of the things that i was thinking when when you presented this topic i my first thought was it's not so much about this season it's with teams already trying to cut corners in multiple different ways i mean so many different jobs have been eliminated minor league jobs getting eliminated um will teams look at scouts as a necessity anymore well, you know, like my fear for them is that teams will say, you know what, we don't really need you anymore yeah. because we've still got uh, analytics people. We can watch everything on cameras. Uh, we have cameras all over the place and we have Everywhere. data. Uh, you know, we have I'm all watching. of these 
different things that we can rely on. We don't really need to have a scout go watch a team play for a couple of weeks and then come back and report to us. That would be my concern if I'm a scout, is the long-term effect of something like this. Where If they they get through this 60-game season, we get through playoffs and everything, and it works out well, or teams think that it works out well, maybe they rethink whether or not they have these scouts. I think it's a legitimate concern. It it absolutely is. Uh, But I do believe that the organizations that are smart, and when I say smart, I don't mean just analytically driven, but the ones that are very well balanced. And by the way, I believe that the Cardinals are a very balanced organization. Uh, The Nationals last year are a team that other, other teams were starting to go heavy analytics, less on the scouting. And what the Nationals did was said, okay, well, I'll just take that guy that's been around baseball forever and we'll bring him in, in, into our organization. Certainly, we'll still do some analytics as well. But they brought in as many baseball people as they could, and it's really helped out throughout their organization. I, I still think that smart baseball people will continue to find jobs. And I think that even the, the organizations that look at this year, Meet and I were having the conversation in our office the other day. So we got a big building behind us, City Place. But... And you guys know, generally come here in the middle of the day, pre-pandemic, you can't find a parking spot. Right. Like, like you, you, you don't have a place. There's been nobody here for months, right? And the wonder is with some of these businesses – have they found out that their people can just work from home? Is that is that easy enough for them? Is is that easy? What what are they going to do? But I do wonder about the productivity. For sure, Morgan. I think well, collab- collaboration to. is a huge problem. I think so, it depends on what you do, I guess. But if you can't be in a building together on an office space together, uh, it probably takes a lot a lot longer to you know solve issues that you've got, don't you think? Oh yeah, for I sure. Would think so. I, I believe so. Hey, just from an overall scouting standpoint too, because it's not like scouts are just sitting there eating hot dogs and all of a sudden the game starts and then they whip out their radar guns. Like scouts are there early; they're watching all the little stuff, or at least everything that they have the ability to watch. Right, whenever the gates open or whenever they're allowed in a ballpark, like they're watching all of the BPs, they're watching the throws from the outfield. Field. They're watching routes like they're watching stuff that you're not going to get on TV. And while you you might hear that and just say, oh, who cares? Like, who cares about those things? Like, that's what they do for a living. Like that they, they pick out little things because sometimes you get a chance to see a guy once or twice. Or if he finds it finally ends up being a target, then you go watch him a few more times. But maybe he doesn't play or maybe he has a bad night. Like you have to know all of these other little things about him. And those things happen way before the game. I think that if you for 2020, again, everybody's on the same page. Screw it. Those little things are going to be gone, at least for the beginning. But I think that if you take that away from every organization or some organizations in the nearby future, I really do believe that you will see worse decisions made when it comes to you know pro, pro trades as a, as a you know as opposed to amateur trades even though a lot of organizations don't pile a lot into amateur scouting either it's just right. kind of yeah we got this stuff figured out I, I just think a, it would be a bad idea. Got a computer here. Yeah, this guy. And, and video of everything. I mean, there really is. There, there, are, there are a lot of assets. The smartest organizations are the ones that just couple both things. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I, fa- well, maybe fascinating isn't the, the right word to use, but it, it is going to be interesting to see the way it's all businesses in, approach their employees productivity, efficiency, moving forward in sports will not be immune to So that. where's that line, too, for everybody? Because right. and, and every organization and every business is different, but 
in baseball, to me, being as competitive as it is, and certainly there are different organizations that are more competitive than others, but if uh, if you can cut some costs, is it worth seeing a little bit of a drop off? Like, oh, okay, well, we're noticing we're not performing quite as well, but you know, we have saved a lot of money. Or are you looking at it and saying, well, screw that. Let me throw a little bit more money into this asset. Let me get a tiny bit better. I think it's about how you gauge. Like, what is your what is your overall goal? Is our overall goal to uh, work at a competitive level but at the lowest price range? Because just like every other business, there are teams that do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, not to call one team out, but the Orioles, right? You look at the Orioles. I would bet that if they had to pick one way, they would probably just lean on, all right, well, we're going to spend a little bit less here. And the product's just going to be meh for right now. You know, there are other organizations. We'll pick the Dodgers, uh, for instance, who have have been right there. Look, they've been waiting to get over that hump for the longest time. They're going to want to pour into their their system, pour into their scouts, pour into everything that gets them over the hump. Everybody's business model's different. There is a piece in USA Today, Bob Nightingale, talking with Jerry Reinsdorf about, you know, the the baseball situation and um, how we got to where we are in the negotiations and everything that happened over the summer trying to get to a season. And, you know, I, I know a decent amount about Jerry as it is, but that piece today with him saying something along the lines of, uh, I'm I thought the union was positioning to not have a season today. His mindset, and I do believe a lot of owners' mindsets are to save that money. You're you're going to find owners who are like, I want the competitive advantage. So what if I do have to put a little bit more money in, in scouting or in uh, overseas development or whatever it is, I'm going to do that because I want to have the upper hand on other teams. But I think you're going to have a lot of guys, a lot of owners like Jerry, who are going to save money whenever they can. And if there's going to be an organization that will just cut scouts altogether because it saves them a little bit of money, I could see him doing it. I think BT's right about Baltimore. There are probably quite a few teams that would be more than comfortable just kind of treading water and, you know, like we could still be kind of competitive, but we don't really go find that real true advantage over every other team and invest all of our resources in trying to gain advantages over other teams because we're, you know, we're making a decent amount of money and we're satisfied being like that. I think there are going to be a lot of teams who see it that way. That's Chris Ronji, Brad Thompson, and Anthony Stalter. 312, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Why wasn't Craig Berube a finalist? For the Jack Adams Award. We'll talk to Chris Gerber about that next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Chris Ranji and Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. We're joined by play by play man Chris Gerber with the Blues Radio Network right here on 101 ESPN. Curbs, why help us understand this? Why wasn't Craig Berube a finalist for the Jack Adams Award? Well, and and uh, and, and just so you know, Anthony, uh, it's the broadcasters that vote on them. So you know, I'm kind of tied in on this one. I think that the choices, honestly, I think there were four choices that were all legit, and Craig Berube was one of those four. And I, and I think it was just a matter of how guys around the league looked at it. I, I guarantee you. I guarantee you that Craig Berube was knocking on the door to be one of those finalists. Um, I'd be I'd be dumb shocked to find out that he wasn't. I'll bet you that if we if we knew the accounting and we knew the numbers, uh, 
uh, it, it would actually come out pretty close because I think the top four candidates, in no particular order, are, are Baruvi, Cassidy, Tortorella, and Elaine Vino. And I'd almost expect Elaine Vino to win it, um, you know, because of that. So um, I, I, I listen. I, I love this. Is kind of cool to some extent, right? Because I'm actually on one of the voters for this award. So when I see, you know, columns from Ben Fredrickson about Ruby getting snubbed and all that other kind of stuff, I get a kick out of it and it's fun to read, but I really don't think he got snubbed. I think there were four really, really strong candidates. And, uh, and I, and I fully believe Craig Baruby was on a bunch of those, uh, a bunch of those ballots. Curbs, we're going to need you to use your influence a little bit more with your brethren. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just going forward. <laughs> well, you know what, but, but let's, but let's break it down a little bit more. I, I look, the, the case that I could make for Craig Baruby is extremely strong. Um, but if you're going to make that case for Craig Baruby, it's the same exact case you got to make for, for Bruce Cassidy, right? So, if you're going to say that Craig Berube should be in there, then Bruce Cassidy has to be in there because those two are one and the same. Stanley Cup Finals, first in their conference, right? Pretty much identical, okay? Uh, running through it. Okay, so then that leaves the other two. John Tortorella had a team that with the injuries they had and having lost Artemi Panarin, their top forward, and their gold top goaltender in free agency, to have that team, albeit in the number eight spot, but in a playoff spot at the time of the pause, with the injuries they had, is nothing short of spectacular. I, I mean, I truly believe John Tortorella had one of the best coaching jobs of this season. He kept that team in it, dialed in, and they had to fight, crawl, and scrap. And, and with, with the injuries that the Columbus Blue Jackets had, they, they should have been down at the basement of that conference, to be honest with you. And then when you call around and you talk to teams, so what I did is I, I talked to some guys over in the Eastern Conference and, uh, and like the quotes that were coming to me is that the Philadelphia Flyers are legit. Elaine Vigneault took a team that really wasn't all that different from what they've had, and he reinstilled something. And John, John uh, Walton of the Washington Capitals told me, he goes, I'm not so sure the Capitals would have held off the Flyers and the Flyers wouldn't have won our division if we had played those final 10 games. So I look at it like that, guys, and, I mean, this was seriously a four-horse dead heat right to the end. And I don't think anybody could really argue with any one of those four winning the award. Well, Curbs, you know how it is too, man. All of these individuals, while, while they're all, uh, uh, you know, they, they could all win it. Everybody would be fine with it. Nobody really cares, though. They want the other piece of hardware. So let's start talking about some real right. hockey, all right? I, I want to start with the exhibition game that the Blues are going to play against the Blackhawks. How beneficial do you think that thing's going to be? I think it's going to be important because it's going to give them an opportunity uh, to get a couple of players into a game that may not necessarily uh, find themselves into the seeding games or the playoff games. So because they're bringing these extra guys and because none of these players have skated and played or have played games in so long, that exhibition game is going to be important for there. And, and especially when it comes to the goaltending, Brad, because the Blues are going to be bringing three goaltenders into the bubble. Hofer will be staying here. But that's going to allow that. I really think the goaltending situation, and I haven't talked to David Alexander yet, but – my gut says you've got four games before the playoffs officially start. Allen into one, or Bennington and Allen into one and a half each, and you're getting Billy Huso into one. I do think that they want to get Billy Huso into one, so how they shake that out, that remains to be seen, but uh, I, I think it's going to be important uh, for from that standpoint. So I think if you're the St. Louis Blues, you're going to use that exhibition game almost with the same level of importance that you're going to have the other three in the seeding rounds. 
I, I do believe there's a lot more optimism now about at least getting these seasons going, whether it's MLB or the NHL season, which I, I think has the best chance of succeeding because of where they're playing and them being in a, a, a hub kind of environment. But with everybody uh, now into Phase 3, all these teams are, are really ramping up and getting ready for the regular season. Uh, what's the level of comfort that that the Blues have, that teams around the NHL have, that things are going to run pretty smoothly here and getting ready for play to start back up? You know what? I, I, think, I think we should be, Ron, you get excited every morning you get up and there's no news of something getting shut down. And I guess you could say that's the case, not just in camps for sports, but for everything. So one more day is, is just another notch on the wall that you get closer to maybe getting things back the right way. Um, so I, I get the sense, and I've, I've talked to, oh, six or seven guys over the course of this week. You know, I, I really get the sense that they're comfortable with the procedures in place. I get the sense that there's a real level of seriousness being taken. I absolutely loved, I know you guys, are, you might have been show prepping, or, but, but I, don't, so I don't know if you saw Vladimir Tarasenko's uh, uh, presser this morning after practice, but his quote was just fantastic. Look, I'm not, we're not going there for an NHL resort, you know, and, and five-star meals. Uh, we're going there to play hockey. I just need some food and a bed. And, and I really get the sense that that's how business like the St. Louis Blues are right now. And, and that's the veteran experience that they have. So, I, I, again, I'll go back to something we've said a lot. The biggest hurdle is can you get to the bubble? And then when you're in the bubble, how, how do you control it? But I'm feeling more and more confident that they're going to be able to get to that bubble. And honestly, I think it's been a good thing that some of these teams have had some players test positive because there's nothing, there's nothing that hits you more in the eye in something like this or anything like somebody you know getting it. You know, I mean, and that's that. That's the bottom line there. So when I've asked that question, some guys, I mean, Jordan Bennington's comment was fantastic. He goes, oh, yeah, you know it's real when three of your teammates get contracted it, and we, we've got to be careful. Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues on the Blues Radio Network, joining us right now on the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Tarasenko's quote is great. He gets it. How much uh, does that have to do with the culture as well, that not only a guy like Tarasenko, a veteran player, understands what they're embarking upon but how does that reflect Craig Berube the man we led you with here uh the, asking about today curbs what what advantage do the blues have from a coaching standpoint as they prepare to go up to Edmonton and, and get ready for the postseason I think the experience of last season led by Craig Berube gives the blues as big an advantage as anybody else has what the Blues went through last year, and I'm telling you, even after a four-month pause when you talk to some of these guys, and, and, and I was talking to Colton Pareko yesterday, I get, I get done with some of these chats, and I'm going, Jesus, like, like they're, they're unflappable. You know, like they just get it. And, uh, and, and again, now I don't know if you're going to get the bounces to pull it off, but I, I sure as hell believe they've got the attitude and the approach and, and Craig Berube has taken a real business-like approach. And he said that to us as much, you know, three and a half weeks ago when he, when he basically said to us, look, guys, the, why worry about, like, like the, the first team, that's, if you're going up there thinking, oh, this is going to stink or I'm going to be away from my family for this long and this is going to be hard, he goes, you, you've already given yourself a reason to lose, and we're not going to do that. 
and and I asked, I actually, um, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko joined us on our organizational call this morning. Uh, you know, the team does these calls once a week, and and Vladimir was was kind of our guest for everybody that's part of the organization. And I mean, and, and again, his quote even at that point was, "We know what we're going up there for. We're, we're excited to be going up there, and and we are ready and, and, and to go with this." And um, I get that feeling when I talk to these guys that that seriousness level is there so much that I'm sitting there going, go ahead, throw anything at them. It's, the, the Blues are going to win unless they get a couple of bad bounces and bad breaks because I'll tell you one thing that won't beat them. Attitude won't beat them. Curbs, we did a, a segment yesterday talking about the Blues and basically talking about an X-Factor type player that might kind of push you over the edge during the postseason. And, and obviously, when you're talking about an X-Factor, we're not talking about Bennington or Petro or maybe even Vladdy, even though maybe that's not fair because he's coming back from a surgery. But a, but a player that maybe is not top of mind for the average fan. Do you have one of those guys in, in your mind that you say, man, this guy could really be really special here? Yeah, uh, you know, Joey Vitale and I hit the same topic on Tuesday night show, and for me it was it, it's Zach Sanford. The reason I say that is when, when the pause hit, Zach Sanford was playing just about as good a hockey as as anybody else. I mean, he was he was he was feeling the groove a little bit, and and I look at him potentially playing in that in a top six role if if they happen to keep Sammy Blay, for example, in, on the line with uh, Robert Thomas and a and a Tyler Bozak. If, if Zach Sanford is in a top six role, and I'm not, he, he's not going to have the bruising kind of brute ability that that Pat Maroon had, but he has the size and he has the hands. And so, the, one of the keys to the St. Louis Blues' success is controlling the puck in the offensive zone. And if a play isn't there, eat it until a play is there. It's smart patience, and Zach Sanford has that ability along the boards. If he doesn't get knocked off the puck and his hands are part of what he's doing, he's going to have the ability to score some goals too. I really think he could be an X factor. Joe Vitale's X factor was Jordan Cairo. He thinks because, and, and it's a heck of a, a thought process too. He thinks that because of the, some of the speed teams that, uh, that Jordan Cairo, if he finds his way into the lineup and plays well, his speed could be a real factor. Curbs, good stuff. We're getting closer, my man. We're getting closer. We'll uh, talk to you again next week. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. You too. That's Chris Gerber, voice of the Blues here on the Blues Radio Network on 101 ESPN. What non-playoff team in from 2019 will make the World Series in 2020? We each picked out a team. We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. non-playoff team from 2019 will win the World Series in 2020. So we're taking a kind of a long shot here, potentially, with Chris Ranji and Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stalter. BT, who's your team? Non-playoff team from a year ago that makes a run, surprises everybody, wins the World Series. All right, I got a few, and one, uh, the, the one that I'm going to go with here, though, is not necessarily a long shot in the classic sense due to the fact that they won 93 games last year. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Indians as my pick. I think the Indians are a really good team. They're, they're well-managed. The pitching staff is 
one of the tops in baseball. I forget exactly where they came in in the recent ranking at MLB.com, but I want to say right around fifth or sixth, I believe, the, the starting staff came in. And Francisco Lindor is one of the best players in baseball. By the way, what a fitting way to go out, right, as a, a World Series champion. Because I'm assuming if they're going to get there, they're just going to win. And then he gets traded to the Cardinals. Like, all of those nice. things make a lot of sense to me when it comes to Lindor. Jose Ramirez is, he's got Gotta have a bounce back. Dude was hitting under 200 at the All-Star break last year. But like for the three years previous, he was a monster. He's one of the scarier hitters in all of baseball. I got to believe that he's going to be able to get back to closer to that guy. And honestly, the Twins, while the Bomba squad got even Bomba-ear with with Donaldson... Uh, the Twins, uh, they hit a lot of home runs last year, 307 of them to be exact. They still don't scare me from like the pitching standpoint. I believe the Indians win that division. I think that they could easily go on and win a World Series. Cleveland is still the best team in the American League Central. Cleveland rocks. Yeah, they really do. They really, really do. They could be the Cleveland Spiders soon. They might actually be the Cleveland Rocks. I think that's one of the uh, possibilities when they change their name. I don't think they're going to change their name. I think they're just going to get rid of the Chief Wahoo, aren't they? No, I think they're getting rid of the nickname. They're talking about it. Well, it's not going to stop them from winning the World Series. No, they're going to still, uh, I don't know if they'll get it done in time for the season, but they are, well, probably way too little time for that, but they are still the best team in that division. I think you're right about them. There were a couple of different teams that I considered here, the Diamondbacks being one of them. Um, the Cubs are kind of an easy pick in a way just because they've you know, they've been right there near the top of the Central Division in the National League for the last several years. They still have a, a, a mash unit of a, and, and in a good way, of a lineup. They can still rake. They can still hit. They've got some pitching issues. Kyle Hendricks is going to start their uh, opening day for them. So... You know, it's it's not the strong pitching staff it used to be. I think I'm still sticking with the Mets here. Even with Noah Syndergaard out, I think Jacob deGrom should be okay. At least there's a, a lot of belief that he's going to be okay by the beginning of the season. Uh, their pitching staff last year was one of the better pitching staffs in the National League, even with injuries. Offensively, they were one of the, the better offensive teams in the National League last year as well. I don't think there's much reason for that to not carry over into 2020. And especially when you've only got to worry about 60 games, I think it would be really easy for the Mets to go on a run despite Thor being out. You, sir, are drunk. That is the most cursed team in Major League Baseball. I don't believe well, they'll in curses. They'll lose in the World Series. <laughs> yeah, but they're, they're going to get, get there. there. I said win. Well, I think so. Who's going to win the World Series? They never know. Okay. Like, what has happened to the Mets that's bad? That's a good point. In the last Especially with their years. starting pitching. This uh, this segment here says what non-playoff teams will be in the World Series. I said win. Just says it right here. When I Our Google document that we put together today just says be in. What, I mean, I said the Indians did I, win it. What did I say on air? Look, I don't listen. I don't know. I'm not positive. How can I get you to listen more? Huh? Good point. You tell me. I don't know. Like, can I tell f- you the Texas Rangers are going to win the World Series this year? Yes, be funny. That was good. <laughs> That's, I'm not I'm not joking. No, you got any more jokes? Okay. What about the Mariners? Oh, Baltimore. Are they going to make a push? Detroit's got some pitching prospects. Hear me out on this one. Texas Rangers, brand new stadium. It's gorgeous. Everybody loves it, right? Everybody's in on the Rangers' new stadium. Look at the outside. I like the starting rotation. It's It's not great, but it is solid, especially after landing Corey Kluber from the aforementioned Cleveland Indians. You know, you're friends with Kluber and you went to his wedding. I went to his wedding. I know. 
<laughs> Wait, I'm, <laughs> so, you know. I'm sorry. Yeah, know. Uh, I did not know that. Yes. My wife is really good friends with his wife. They used to work together at AB and they when they lived out in Boston. Do you have oh, his good oh, Okay. For you. Do he you had have his Do you have his number? Does he call you on the phone? No. Do you have a dorsal fin? No. Would you have picked the Indians if he was still there? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. The All wedding right, was on, at TPC on. Sawgrass. It was gorgeous. That's a nice I'm joint. Sure it was this nice. was well before he was just in the like the Indians minor league. You know what I want to see? System. I want to see a wealthy athlete when they get married. Just go to the courthouse. You know, I'm none, sure of, these, more, none sure of these elaborate them weddings with all of the people in in the grass or whatever it is you do. Yeah, none of that. <laughs> just, just I don't know. Like you're you're outdoors. In the grass. You, yeah, you got the. You're yeah. outdoors. It's uh, a nice the, little with the chairs. There's a gazebo and the grass. Yeah, none of that stuff. And the gazebo. Just go to the courthouse, and sign the ice, a paper, and go and home. the ice swan. If That's you don't right. have an ice sculpture, you didn't even get married. True. The Rangers guys. They added Corey Kluber. Solid rotation overall. Mike Miner. Coming off a solid year as well. Kyle Gibson, kind of the middle of the rotation dude that eats up innings. I thought Gibby would be a good fit here, honestly, this past offseason. Solid, right? Jordan Lyles, very inconsistent, but he's had some good good seasons at times, or at least some good stretches with the Brewers. I do worry about the offense after Joey Gallo. Not, you know, nobody that's going to be really Because it's garbage. Okay, I don't want to go that far. But it's hot. So hot in Arlington. Ball flies out of the ballpark. Well, they're playing in a grill now. Exactly. Like a really nice one. Todd Frazier, seven years ago. That's a good pickup. Sure. What happened to Odor? From, you know from a what? hitting standpoint. I, f- I felt like he was going to be much better. He wasted his best bullet on Batista's face. It yeah. was good, though. It was Over- good. Overhand right. Memorable. I think Adrian Beltre is going to have a big year. You do, huh? <laughs> I don't think you believe that. All right, so we, so I've got the Rangers. BT, you have the Indians. Yeah, Ranch has got the what? Cubs? Mets. No, the Mets. The Mets. the Mets. You brought up the Cubs. You said yeah, on the Mets. Meat, you got one for us, man. A a non playoff team from a year ago that wins it all. So I was looking at it and uh, I got really excited. I'm like, oh, like maybe maybe the Red Sox, right? Mm-hmm. I realized like. They've got they've got a lot of injuries. They've got some problems. They've got a lot of injuries. Yeah. Honestly, the teams that uh, the teams that I really like are teams that were like right on the fringe last year. Teams like the A's, like you guys mentioned. Teams like the Rays. Um, yeah, man, that, that's where I'm at right you now. Know, uh, I got another one for you that's interesting. Two actually. One to piss off Anthony. Thank uh, you. That's the Reds. All right, the the Reds. While I don't think you it's didn't just easy, piss off me, you pissed off everybody. No, I know, with but, your but garbage. remember this. Remember when I say this. This is a conversation of teams that were not in the playoffs last year. Right, that like would have the an A's opportunity the to go on a run. Right, can't use those. Right. So obviously, I wouldn't be able to utilize the Cardinals, your Central Division champions from a year ago. Correct. That being said. Uh, the Reds pitching staff is really good. At the very least, on paper, it's really good. Their offense. It's really good. You mentioned the fact that it's hot outside. They also play in a band box, and they got doesn't a bunch matter. Of Pitchers guys. are going to be ahead of the uh, hitters. 
Yeah, we all know that, okay? But you can miss one in Great American Small Park and get it out of here. You know, like that. that is a significant advantage for them to play the bulk of their games there. I, I just think uh, they're a team that's interesting. And another one real quick in the National League, the Phillies. The Phillies went out and spent, as their owner called it, stupid money a couple of years ago. They've got a good team. They've got a good lineup, and they've got pitchers that, that could get hot for a stretch. I think that the Philly, I like the Phillies better than the Mets, honestly. Um, and I, I think that they could really compete for something. They've got a real manager now, too. They do. That helps. It helps big time. Brad Thompson, Chris Ranji, Anthony Stalzer. the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. If you want to participate in the gauntlet, we need a new listener after Ranji made good work of the listener yesterday in a one nothing pitcher's duel. You wanna, I shut him out. Yeah, you did. Clean sheet is what they call it in soccer, in football. It was a clean sheet you had. Did you nice. just learn that recently? I certainly did not. I knew that for a long time. I just learned it today because you taught me that. That's right. When we were talking about goalies and I'm their gonna, stat lines for no reason. I'm going to teach don't, you a lot about Don't talk about football. it. Don't talk about scores. Janet's listening. Oh, yeah. She didn't want us I'm, to talk about the EPL score. We're not going to do it. We're watching gonna, it, though, Janet. Watching it. Yeah, we got our eye on it. Crystal Palace versus Manchester United. Man U is what they call them. All right, if you want to participate in the gauntlet, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Text in. We'll do that in 15 minutes or so. Coming up next, what other quarterbacks are about to get the DAC treatment? That's next here on 101 ESPN. Well, as we know, Dak Prescott passed up on a lot of guaranteed money. $110 million was the last I saw, and that was that was just the guarantees. Forget the base salary. So let's talk about... A couple of different angles here. One, the Cowboys and Dak weren't able to come together on an agreement, boys. They Dak is going to play on the, the franchise extension, but what are the quarterbacks around the league? Do teams, do you, do you think that they like but aren't willing to go long-term like the Cowboys weren't with Dak Prescott? So what? which other quarterbacks kind of fall into that group. So guys, they're, they're still a little bit, they're not quite sure, right? Maybe you need a little bit more time to figure out what you have. Is that what you're trying to say? Like, uh, I want to jump in. Oh, okay. We'll just stick you know the who? toe in. <laughs> this wouldn't really fit the MO of this organization because they just like to draft quarterbacks high and then just do it again in a couple of more years. Cleveland? That's, Cleveland, that's the one that I was mm. thinking about. Baker Mayfield just in general. Baker is one of those guys, when you saw him two years ago, you think to yourself that... Hot damn, we finally got it. You know that jersey that we got with all the quarterbacks on it that, that go all the way down to the floor? Take it down. Take it down. We don't need it anymore because we got a guy. You can get your Baker Mayfield jersey, and you're going to be good to go. Then you watch him last year and said, ah, crap, we're going to have to draft another guy. Like, we're, we're screwed yet again. Baker, to me, is a guy that I don't think just a good year this year puts you in a situation where you know what he is because you've seen that already. You've seen him have one good year and then regress. i got to see a couple in a row, and I'm not sure with Baker if I'm ready to hitch my wagon to him long term. He might be a guy that I would franchise tag for a year maybe and then see for sure if I really am in love. And, and maybe he's got a... I guess the hope is a real head coach this year. You kind of want to see how that relationship goes between Stefanski and and him and see if he makes any real progress. Because if you go to the season before, that dude looked like he was, you know, kind of on the way. 
right? I mean, don't you think that that after uh, you know his initial season, it felt like okay, maybe there's a little something here to work Shoot, with. He but he took to a tear it up last year. He when took it, a step back though last year when he got some real co- coaching in the second half of his rookie year. He really took off, and I know that Freddie Kitchens was the same same coach that he right. had worked with as a play caller the year prior, his rookie year. But what happened last year? I think that Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin, who was the offensive coordinator, they couldn't get on the same page at all. Freddie Kitchens, if you look at it, and I won't go too far into the weeds here, but Freddie Kitchens loves to run a lot of 11 personnel. That's one one running back, one tight end. Munkin loves to spread everything out. It's more air raid, and that was more air raid what Cleveland was doing a year ago. I think they got away from Freddie Kitchens' offense because he was so worried about, about being the head coach. So this year, going to Stefanski, third play caller now in three years for Baker Mayfield. That sucks. But, Brad, to your point, when he was a rookie and he did have some some solid coaching when Kitchens was just focused in on the play calling and just focused in on what Baker Mayfield does well, which is a lot of the the play action, open everything up, move. Baker Mayfield does an excellent job of moving defenders with his eyes, things like that, like next-level stuff. He was really good if... Stefanski can take those elements the second half of his rookie year and apply it. I think Baker Mayfield is going to be pretty good. I, I was never high on, May, on on Baker. I was more of a a Sam Darnold guy in that draft. But I do think that there's 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 more. He is more the rookie year guy that we saw and less the disaster that was all of the offense last year in Cleveland. But, but yeah, and I would agree with that. I don't know if he's. I don't know if at this point he's going to be better than what we saw in the rookie season, right? I, I I think that he's I think that he's better than what he showed last year. So he is closer to that, but I don't think he's better than what you're talking about. I think maybe his ceiling is that, which is pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think the Browns would be happy to have that, right? Especially with the amount of uh, trouble they've had at the position over the years. Which, what do you mean? It's it's almost as bad as what the Bears have done. They drafted a guy named Johnny Football. Uh, yeah, he had a problem with football uh, in the name. Uh, you know, hitting people that were his you know girlfriend and uh, you know drinking and which is fine, but he couldn't keep it under control. And he so, couldn't play at the NFL level because let's uh, be all, and that's all the other thing that's the too. Thing. Gotcha. Although okay. maybe those things led to him not maybe, being very maybe, good. Maybe uh, too, I saw too much freelancing. He had a tweet the other day that I I saw it and it just kind of pissed me off <laughs> because it was him like working on putting in his putting green and he was talking about retirement. He's like, yeah, retirement's not so bad. Really? Yeah, I'm Dude. like, yeah, that, you, mm. screw you. <laughs> That's you just... had talent. You pissed it all away, and you're talking about retirement, working you, on your putting green, you chump, you spoiled everybody. ass rich kid. Yeah, thank you. No well offense. said. Mm-hmm. He made six million bucks. Yeah, but daddy's got money. He'll That's fine. <laughs> yeah, Texas you know that says it's John football now. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan football. Johnny. Jonathan football, he's matured. You know, I'm a little surprised you didn't uh, go with Derek Carr on this. Well, That's, he's your, on That's your boy. I mean, he's isn't that... List. Yeah, so you like that guy a lot. Well, he's my quarterback. You know, I'm not just going to come my in with my uh, my lifelong fandom of the Las Vegas Raiders and bash the guy that I've got under center. I don't think that's a great way to go. That being said, he was second on my list. He's guys, not getting not another sure deal for me. No, I, I I don't think his coach is very confident in him as it is, and that is a that's a problem too for you. 
I mean, if you're a quarterback who's trying to establish yourself, and he actually had a pretty good year last year, but um, if you're trying to establish yourself and your head coach doesn't seem to have a whole lot of confidence in you, I think that pretty much indicates that your time there is short. Well, he's been bringing weapons in around him at the very least, right? You're trying to first round pick on Henry Ruggs, who you believe can take the top off of some defenses. So that you got that going for you from, off oh, from Alabama. Alabama, and not the Alabama quarterback that everybody thought that they were going to take there. Everybody uh, really thought it was going to be somebody else. Yeah, like Judy. Right. It was after him, right? Yes. Yeah. No, before I mean it was Ruggs before went Judy. Before Judy. Yeah. Rugs went before Judy. Yeah. And CD and CD Lamb, who went to the Dallas Cedar Cowboys, going to be pretty good over there with Dak. They've got some weapons. Yeah, they do. Dallas is mm-hmm. Dallas is a good team. I think their next quarterback is going to be set up pretty well. <laughs> I really do. I'm a little. Who you got, Anthony? Who's surprised? I to, see. To me, when you're talking about the the guy that's going to get the the Dak Prescott treatment, in terms of we're not we're not really sure if we're going to completely buy in. Sam Darnold, Darnold's the guy. And I like I like Darnold, but I wonder if if Adam Gase, who at one point was a very talented play caller, Jay Cutler had his best season under Adam Gase, but as a head coach, it just it, it hasn't worked out. Guys are going a lot of spot, different directions. Yeah. yeah, I mean the team that he had in Miami won great, and then he started to tick players off. Jay Ajayi was one one of them. We he tra- wound up trained him to the Eagles, got a Super Bowl ring. I don't know if Sam Darnold's going to get the coaching, and then he's going to wind up on his second team as opposed to getting getting a, a good deal. But crazier things have happened. But when you talk about Dak, Dak treatment, not seeing that second second deal from your team that drafted you, I think it's Sam Donald. There's a guy on this list um, in Cam Newton, which I don't know. This is the most intriguing name to me. I don't think it fits exactly what we're talking about because I believe if Cam Newton does well this year, he's getting a contract from somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't know who it's going to be, but he is getting a contract because you already have a good track record of of him. Like You've seen him before do it. All these other guys, you're still trying to figure out if they can realize potential. But Cam is a completely different animal. I think this year for him is just a prove-it year. That hey, I still got it. I'm I'm still Cam Newton. I'm healthy. I'm ready to go. I'm not humble anymore. I'm not humble. Screw that humility because I am going to go out there and dominate your face. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'm capable of doing. I'm back to being the old Cam. Now give me money. And I think some team will sign him to a multi-year extension. May not be five years, but you're probably going to get a couple if you're him. I don't think he gets tagged. Hell, the Patriots may give him a two or three year contract. If, if he proves it this year, I would not be surprised hey, at all. What What if they give him a contract, a, a multi-year deal, two- or three-year deal, and his AAV surpasses anything Tom Brady ever made? That would be, wow. Kind of oh, funny. Could you imagine? Yes. Like, it's just... <laughs> yes, I could. Like, Belichick just sticks it to Brady. We thought it was worth it. <laughs> For real? Could you, could you... We never had a quarterback like that before. So no. this is uh, it's kind of a no-brainer. We can run different plays. <laughs> we've, never had, we've never had that uh, ability, uh, the quarterback position, running running around, things like that. It's kind of like paying two players. You know, you're paying a quarterback and a running back. He just deserves more. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, we're not talking about open-heart surgery here. No, but we're talking about the GOAT, and you didn't pay him that much money. He just kept taking. Uh, he had his TB12 business inside Gillette. Stuff. He was fine. Can't Tom Brady's fine. Should be in jail now for breaking and entering, but 
nevertheless. I can't believe you didn't know the ice cream was made out of avocado. I thought it was avo- I thought it was eaten avocado flavored ice cream. Nice. I, 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 I thought too. that was the worst thing ever. Uh. Oh, by the way, I tried it. Yeah, I told you I got some. It's not bad. Okay, not bad. It's was not it bad. good though? Because ice cream's generally good. Uh, true. I, you know what? Here's the, the problem: <laughs> is I knew it was avocado, so that probably you need a little taste test, a blind That's taste what I need. test, blind taste test. Yeah. Do you like this ice cream? If you're like, wow, that ice cream's really good. It, it was a dark chocolate flavored. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't bad. Okay, that doesn't. That's not good. It reminds me. <laughs> no, if it's ice cream, yeah, not bad is not. Right. So again, but I knew it was avocado. Sure. I need to have that. Taste we need test. to have the the Chris. Do you remember the Chris Farley skit when they tell him it's not Folgers, and, and he loses, and he his, loses mind. his mind? Yeah, that's what we that's what we needed for you. We have blind Folgers taste, here though. Blind taste test, office. and you taste the ice cream, and you're like, "This is incredible." And then we say to you, "Did you know it's avocado ice cream?" And then you lose it, like Chris Farley. I can do you that. son of a... Did you ever see that skit, PT? We'll pull it up for you. Okay. PT, Chris Ranji, Anthony Stalter. The Gauntlet is next. We'll have a new challenger here on 101 ESPN. It's a battle between average men and the most formidable group of warriors on the planet. You should feel my nipples. I am so excited. Uh, well, they showed up. The Gauntlet is refreshed by Budweiser. This July, Budweiser's here to cool you and your buds down during summer's hottest month. Can you survive the Gauntlet? Gauntlet time, 403. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Chris Ranji won yesterday, so we have a new listener. It was a beaten, too. It was a beaten. 1-0. Clean sheet for Chris Ranji. Andrew is our next challenger in the gauntlet. What's up, Andrew? Oh, same old. How about you guys? Doing really well. Have you listened to the gauntlet before? Too many times. Too many times? <laughs> no, you can never listen to many I mean, the show hasn't times. been around that long yeah. with the gauntlet. Really? I'm still salty from Randy beating me in the past. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about that. New game, new challenge. If you take on BT, it's baseball trivia. If you take on Ranji, it's the field, which includes no baseball, no food, because that's meat. Meat has food trivia, and no football. I have football trivia. So, Andrew, who do you want to challenge today in the gauntlet? You guys were talking ice cream, so I'm taking meat on. Whoa, oh, baby. Nice. Here we Let's go. Do it. Well, here so, comes our uh, line change. You guys talk amongst yourself while I figure out how to do the board. There you go. So speaking of the avocado ice cream, we were having the conversation about it. I said it's not bad. A texter offers this scale according to the texter's dad. So if his dad says it's all right, that means it sucks. If he says not bad, that means it's good. If he says it's good, that means it's great. So, on the scale that we're offered here, avocado ice cream is somewhere between it's all right and not bad. Okay, fair enough. Okay, fair enough. It doesn't suck. It's not quite good. It's it's close. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. So uh, try it. BT, you good? You good behind the board now? I uh, yeah, I think so. He's looking for a drop. I oh, could see I'm it. In, I could see it in his I'm face. Not, I don't know where that stuff is. Okay. <laughs> There we oh, go. Like There's a oh, random man. good call for you. All right, Andrew, you ready to rock? That was fun, wasn't it? It was fun. Let's do it. Okay. Question one. Which city did Starbucks open? So which city did Starbucks first open in? San Francisco, Seattle, or New York? Seattle. All right, question number two. 
before sugar was uh, was available, what ingredient was used to make candy? Was candy made with maple syrup, coconut, hey. or honey? Honey. What'd you call me? Hey. <laughs> Question number three. What company manufactures Twizzlers? Is it Hershey, Mars, or Nestle? What? Um. <laughs> what is it? What? So the parent company of Twizzlers, who makes Twizzlers? Which company? Hershey, Mars, or Nestle? Why not Nestle? Okay. Andrew, last question. Which pizza place had a bizarre mascot called the Noid? Domino's, Little Caesars, or Pizza Hut? Little Caesars. That guy seems like he's annoyed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Andrew. Let's bring in meat from the cone of silence. How you feeling, Andrew? It's against meat, so pretty all right. Oh, okay. Oh, all right, talking yeah. smack on I mean, meat. You, you know you are in his wheelhouse at the very least. I mean, th- this is what he does. Meat is food. Food is meat. This little punk talking crap? Yeah, he said yeah, he, he felt pretty good because it's you. Freaking Andrew. Okay, you ready? Let's do this. Which city did Starbucks open? San Francisco, Seattle, New York. Seattle. Question number two. Before sugar was available, which ingredient was used to make candy? Maple syrup, coconut, or honey? Hmm. Maple syrup, coconut. Let's go honey. Question number three. What company manufactures Twizzlers? Is it Hershey, Mars, or Nestle? That is a great question. Thank you. Hershey, Mars, or Nestle? Mm-hmm. Man. Randy noises. Uh, let's go Nestle. Question four. Like Which this isn't going well. pizza place had a bizarre mascot called the Noid? Domino's, Little Caesars, or Pizza Hut? I remember a Little Caesars. Like, uh, pizza, pizza. That, that, and then that's Little Caesars, right? We can't help you, need, yeah. Yeah, you're, let's you're go Little the, Caesars. You're in the middle of the gauntlet, man. Yeah. All right, as always, <laughs> the thing that we do better than <laughs> anything else in the fast lane, we tie in the gauntlet. Oh, of course. Uh-huh. You guys got the exact same questions, both right and wrong. You tied it to a piece. These young yep. bucks don't remember the noid. the noid. Yep. That's why I threw it on there. Young, I little Caesars the had like a little awkward-looking mascot, no, right? Yeah, he was the, I mean, he's like a... Uh, he's, he's a he's little Greek. Caesar, is yeah. what he is. Mm. It's who he is. Mm-hmm. He's a literally little Caesar. Yes. Yeah. Which little Caesar? If didn't, you will. didn't think about that. So the two, the two you guys both got right. <laughs> which city did Starbucks open? It was Seattle. Before sugar was available, which ingredient was used to make candy? It was honey. Again, you and Andrew both got that right. Which company manufactures Twizzlers? You guys both said Nestle. Mars. It's Hershey. Damn it. Hershey manufactures yeah, Twizzlers. Wasn't going to get that. And which pizza place had a bizarre mascot called the Noid? This is straight from the 90s. It was Domino's. You guys both said yeah. Little Caesars. So, our tiebreaker. You got your Man. sheet ready, Meat? Uh, got a sheet of paper. Got one. You got yourself a pen. Andrew, hold on. Meat's going to write down his answer, and then you're going to say yours. 
and let's do this fairly quickly here. Tiebreaker is, we talked to you about Starbucks opening in Seattle. Which year did Starbucks first open? Meet, we're right down your answer. We're looking for a year. It's closest to the pin. And then once uh, he's ready, Andrew will tell you to hit it. Meet's got his answer. All right, Andrew, what's your answer? 98. Oh boy, we gotta do math here. <laughs> Ranji, this is this is your field. Why, why, why do I have to? No math is not Hold my on, field. I think that show me your Show me your I'm gonna shoot or shoot here, Anthony. There's some math, but I, I feel pretty good about this. Okay. We can always walk it back. You have chosen poorly. Not sure yet, maybe. Alright. Take that. Somebody do the math yet? No. On that? What year did you say it was? I said nineteen fifty-three. Okay. What is uh All right, so uh he he missed by 20 oh, No, shit. meet one. Yeah, yeah, meet, yeah meet, meet was meet 18 one. years <laughs> away. 18, <laughs> yeah, yeah, meet one. Meet one. Yeah, so 18 year difference. Uh, it was 1971. That's when the Starbucks first opened in Seattle. Meet you were 18 away. Andrew, you were 20 like 8 away. 28 away. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Oh man. Anyways, Andrew, better luck next next time, man. Thanks for playing. For sure. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you. Boy, this is just... That's the first time, though, we've had to do some math in the tiebreaker. And that we, was handled, a, that's a we handled it well. I that is a problem. We handled it well. So did I. Hey, did you guys know that uh, Hershey's also makes Jolly Rancher? No. I was shocked when I discovered that Twizzlers were made by Hershey. I thought Mars made everything. Don't, aren't they like a massive company? I would think that Hershey would make everything. I can't believe that uh, Starbucks started in Seattle. <laughs> that bad. was a little really? bit of a layup. <laughs> a little bit of a layup. But I wanted the tiebreaker. That's why I threw that on there. It worked out. Honestly, it worked I don't out think fine. that you have to do anything at this point to like try to get a tie to happen. Because chances are it's just going to happen. It is what we do. To would me- you say at least 50% of our Ours go to a tiebreaker. Okay, well, it's it's so it's Thursday. Yeah. Meat went to a tiebreaker today. Yeah, I believe I went to a tiebreaker. You did earlier and this week. I went week. to three of them, and you went to three <laughs> of them. Yeah, so that yeah, so I would say fifty percent at least for the tiebreaker. I know we're not great at math. I think I might have the best win percentage after this. Six and three, Anthony. Seven and two, BT. Nine and seven, Ronch at six and four. I'm at seven and I would four. Say that's actually, seven and two, five yeah, games above five hundred. Probably on, a man. way better winning yeah, percentage than you've got. Great, I said I'm not great at math. Right. That was really. Well, bad. I think that we all I established how bad mm-hmm. we were at math a second ago. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even look at the text line. Were there people? <laughs> people blowing us up. Uh. All right, no, we're, we're going to do that anyways. Fine. All right, it's the fast line on 101 ESPN. If Carlos Martinez starts, what are the closing options? I feel like a lot of us just say, Ryan Helsley, and stop right there. There's other options. BT will tell you who the sleeper candidate is to close if Carlos Martinez starts in the rotation. That's next on 101 ESPN. If Carlos Martinez winds up in the starting rotation, who are the other options to close games for the Cardinals this year with Brad Thompson and Chris Ranji and Anthony Stalter? Uh, B- BT, I feel like we often stop at Ryan Helsley, right? But yeah. there's got to be some other 
underrated candidates to close games. I think that there are for sure. We we can hit on Helsley for a second. There's a reason we stop on Helsley. It's the fact that he throws 100 freaking miles an hour. Is that all? Uh, He's got himself a a good little secondary breaking pitch, like a a tighter slider that he throws at like 89, 90 miles an hour. And he was a guy that Schilt leaned on last year in the biggest games down the stretch. Like He ended up emerging as being the guy. So makes all the sense in the world to lean on him. But uh, just kind of a lot like we talk about how you're going to utilize Carpenter or how you're going to use Fowler or how long of a leash you're going to give Tyler O'Neill to figure out what somebody is. I feel like your ninth inning kind of has to be that way, too. So if Helsley is the guy right off the bat and if he ran into an issue or two, I don't expect him to. But you have to have other people that are sitting there waiting in the wings that could potentially take it. Um, I think the Cardinals have some options now. Now, Giovanni Gallegos, obvious option. Don't know where he is, though, right now. So I'm not even going to have him. Mexico. Okay. You know what? That was... I did know where he was, but I don't know when when he's going to be here and be a part of things and be ready to go. So I'm not going to have him on my list. Just know he's there uh, whenever he's ready. He is a candidate. He's an option. Another one to me that I find interesting is Junior Fernandez. Junior has closing experience. Uh, He's got big league experience now. Uh, pitched uh, you know, in some games last year, and he's just got good stuff. He's got a really good breaking ball, good feel for his secondary pitches, and I think he's got that like kind of poise. You can just kind of tell when somebody's been out there in the late innings. He is, he is one of those guys for me. I like him. Is there somebody who's like off, off the radar right yes. now? Somebody like, and, and uh, it's a guy that we talked about a lot during spring training just because we saw him, and it's not completely unusual for a guy in the middle of a season uh, to come out of nowhere, maybe only be an A-ball, and get an opportunity to close games. I've seen it happen before. Would Johan Oviedo be a candidate for this? I I think that he could emerge into one potentially. But he I wouldn't mean, be a first option. Yeah, I mean, probably not. All he's done in the minor leagues for you is start games, and I think that that would be a big change for him. I mean, he's going to be a part of the bullpen anyhow if he's a part of this team this year, so he's going to have to learn that life. Uh, but I think that that would be it would be a big jump for him. Uh, I thought that you were actually going down a different direction when you were talking about the minor leagues. In Zach Co- Thompson? No, I thought you were going oh. Cody Whitley, who oh, that pitched would be good too, in three he- different levels. Last year. Yeah, and he was in the inter-squad game the yep, other day. Yep, yeah. threw the ball well. Another guy that that is impressed. Can I give you a super dark horse here? Of course. Uh, and, and maybe, actually, it's not even as, as dark horse as the one that, uh, that Ron just threw out in Oviedo. But it's one that we never talk about him in this role. He's going to be a part of the staff, but I really believe that he could be a lockdown closer. And it's Daniel Ponce de Leon. Dude, I look at Ponce, and Ponce, first of all, when he's out there, he's breathing fire. Like, he is ready to rock and roll. He, uh, at times, because he's a very measured individual off the field. He's, like, super kind and just mellow. He's on the mound, and you can just see it. Like, he's burning. He burns a little too hot sometimes. Uh, You know your own brand, you know? So I I watch him, like, well, it's too far. You're going too far. He had a start in in L.A., I think it was, last year, where I was like, oh, he's going to black out. Like, it's going to happen right here, right now. I mean, he's, he's yelling at himself. He's yelling at everybody. But... 
I think that he'll, he can harness that a little bit, and I do think he's done a better job of harnessing that. And he's done a better job of harnessing his off-speed and harnessing the strike zone in general. I could see Ponce starting for the Cardinals this year if some things happened. I could see him being a guy that bridges a gap and gives you three innings and maybe throws you the seventh, eighth, and ninth. But I could also see him being a guy where Schilty calls down to the pen in the ninth inning, said, get Ponce going, and he comes and blows somebody away. I, I, I am interested interested in that aspect. So we're talking about if Carlos Martinez winds up in the starting rotation, what are the closing options for the Cardinals? The obvious one is Ryan Helsley, BT throughout Junior Fernandez, as well as a dark horse in Daniel Ponce de Leon. Ranji, you had mentioned Oviedo. What about Andrew Miller? I realize that he didn't have a good year last year, but this is somebody that has closed games before. And way more experience than anybody else. If he, if at some point I, he didn't feel the ball in spring, that it's not great when you're Makes a pitcher. It hard to pitch. I'll yeah, say that it right certainly now. Certainly does. Yeah, but those issues have have seemingly been behind him. I, I don't know if you're really worried about if if you want to maximize Andrew Miller. I don't know if you're really worried about using him for multiple innings in in a pandemic and you're trying to you you, you got a bunch of guys anyways that are going to kind of fill in throughout the course of a, a, a game. Andrew Miller seems like he'd at least be an outside option if he's pitching well. Yeah, I wonder if as a reliever's career goes on, and, and first of all, he's not going to be that super reliever type anymore that that's pitching all the time in multiple innings per appearance. Like that's he's past that. I, I wonder if they would use him maybe in a pinch, but I don't think they would use him primarily as the guy. And and the reason for that, or one of the reasons for that for me, is I feel like once a reliever's career is is getting toward the end, and he's on the on the downward path of his career, the downward slope, we know that. Um, once you've settled into a setup role, it doesn't happen very often where a team takes you out of that setup role and puts you back into a closer position, unless they absolutely need you, and it's just a a night here and there and it's not all the time so I would doubt that's what happens with him but maybe they do occasionally use him I I think they would be more inclined to try out a younger guy and see if he can do the job first and if he gets some reps doing it this year then if something happens with Jordan Hicks he doesn't look quite right coming back into next season they know they have another option so, yeah, with Andrew Miller, I agree with you guys. I don't think it's going to be their first option. Not to say he can't do it. They were singing his praises the other day, saying uh, Schilty was saying he looked like the guy from Cleveland that was wiping everybody out with his slider. I love to hear that. He didn't look quite right last year. Walk rate was way up from years previous. He set a career high in homers given up. He gave up uh, 11 bombs. You're just not used to seeing Andrew Miller uh, do that. And you hope he's able to settle in. He did. He had six saves last year as well. I do think that the bullpen's going to be so fluid, chances are, that if somebody struggled and then all of a sudden Andrew Miller got the call the next day and he locked down the ninth inning, you know how that stuff is. The, the next night he's probably going to get the call again. And it's only 60 games, so you, yeah. can't, you can't really play around too much with that. You ride the hot hand. And, and to me, that— Hot guy. Uh, you ride the hot guy. There you go. So that's going to be a very interesting part of the bullpen is just exactly how that works out. I believe if it's Carlos, Carlos is going to be the guy that you give the most leeway to. If he's your closer, you know that he'll walk the tightrope every once in a while, but he gets the job done. The track record has been there for him. So you'll give him a little bit more. But if it's Helsley, 
to start the season and he struggles. I wonder how quickly you kind of ease off of that. And that's another thing, too. You kind of have to – you have to – I know it's 60 games and I know that every game matters, but you also have to, like, watch how you handle somebody. You can't have somebody just blow a save, then all of a sudden you're you're not pitching in the 7th, 8th, or the ninth inning anymore and you feel like you're buried. That's a hard part for a manager and a pitching coach. I believe they call that the Mike Matheny. Oh, yeah. No. Who I think has gotten better with a lot of that stuff because he's going to have to pack his patience with that team, with all due respect. A text message, I think, agrees with something we were talking about earlier, uh, uh, an option we were talking about earlier. And uh, the 314 says Ponce de Leon is a great option to explore. Okay. Good usage. Yeah. Ponce de Leon, mm-hmm. uh, Explorer. Yeah, I got it. Did I don't you think you it? did get it. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think you did. did. Did you get it? Yeah, Anthony, I don't think Ponce you did. Ponce de Leon is an ex- was an Explorer. Yes, I got mm-hmm. it. Is that a so pun? You, you didn't like it? It was fine. <laughs> you were waiting for my reaction Yeah, on I was this? waiting for you to be happy about that. It was good. I don't think you thought that was good. It was, it was, uh, avi- it was like the avocado ice cream. It was, uh, it was solid. It was fine. It was good. It was no. Actually, how did you, how did you label the avocado ice cream? Not bad. It was not bad. And yeah, according to our bad. listeners' dad's rating, that means it's good. There you go. I think it's a step under good, but it's better than it sucks. You don't like puns. I do like puns. No, you don't. Well, you guys are. There's a lot of judgment coming this way. A I lot of judgment. Avoid fingers. I just don't think you like puns. Okay. This is what we need to do. Hmm. We need to stop pointing fingers. You're a problem, Chris Ranji. You're a big problem. Yeah. And? And how much are you guys willing to snitch on coworkers? Uh, We're about to find out. That's yeah. next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. One, two, three, so the NBA has set up a uh, snitch hotline, essentially. Is that in, what they call the, it? In the bubble. What do they call it? I think that they're just calling it their, uh, you know, help hotline. I don't know what they're calling it. It's a snitch hotline. I like Go the ahead. snitch hotline. It's, yeah, it's, it's it basically it a snitch hotline. Yeah. And that is uh, for players, if they see something going on, like, you know, a guy leaving the bubble, see going to get some food. Something. Yep, something like that. You can call a hotline and rat a guy out. And then the NBA comes in and cracks down a little bit. I feel like you don't like this. I feel like I, there's something about this that you are not a fan of. Yeah, I don't snitch. Okay? Hmm. Well, maybe you should follow the rules. I got one rule that I live by. Follow them? Don't snitch. Okay? I don't think that's your one rule. But Chris Ranji. Yeah, I'll snitch I think, on you. I think you're, I, out of everybody in the 101 ESPN family, I think you're the guy that would snitch above all else. You would snitch... Multiple times, if you if you saw something like that going on, and you know why, you're going to give, give us some greater purpose. That's right. Speech. It would actually make me the better teammate. Hmm. Because Come on, man, <laughs> that's no. Nah, it makes me a good teammate. Because if you're out and about, you know you're uh, you're on your Tinder mm-hmm. or on your Bumble or whatever it is you're doing, and you're hanging out with questionable ladies. And you're bringing them back to your bubble. Now, why are they questionable? Instagram models that you're sliding into DMs saying, hey, come to Orlando. It's great. They're going to be questionable. Yeah, they're going to be questionable for sure. Ladies of the night. Yeah, how many chances. If you're putting the season at risk 
you're a bad teammate, and I'm going to call your ass out so on it. He- Stay in your lane, dude. I'm not snitching on my teammates. I'll tell you that right now. Now, I might have a conversation with my teammates. Look, we didn't come into this bubble in Orlando. We didn't just come here uh, to sit in these hotel rooms and hang out. We actually came out here to work, and we want to win a championship. We've had this whole damn season we've played so we can crown ourselves. If I'm LeBron, chances are I'm not going to snitch on my teammate to this hotline. But I'm going to tell them if they're stepping out of line a little bit. If I see somebody else doing some stuff, somebody on another team that like is... Like Giannis. That, if Giannis is out there without his mask, standing three feet away from somebody else, you know what? Maybe I'm going to pick up the phone mm-hmm. a little bit. And maybe I'm going to talk because this bubble needs to be safe. And Giannis is... Uh, he's making it unsafe. By the way, Doc Rivers joked around about the same exact thing. He said, oh yeah, I'm calling the snitch hotline on LeBron for sure. <laughs> for sure going to call him in. What is stopping... Players from doing exactly that. Oh, no, they're or probably the coach, all getting high from... over there and calling the hotline. <laughs> I mean, chances are. Yeah, don't they? By the way, don't they have like a, a certain amount of weed that was allowed on the premises? I'm pretty that they sure. Were able no to bring Wasn't and, that a piece and at the athletic or the ringer? Wait the a second. Yeah, yeah. They're like they're, they're honest... bringing weed to Disney World. Yeah, they're allowed to, and they're yeah. Uh, yeah they're they're it's worried Disney about the world. Apparently, they're already worried about the supply. You ever seen Mickey I'm Mouse sure on the weed, man? No, of like rationing out the weed. I don't do drugs. Yeah, just weed. But Stalter, because I know you don't care about team, you only care about I. No. Yeah. I, and we first, know there's no first, I in team. But there is an M and an E. Yeah, well, okay, so you're you're true. that's true, there is. Damn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is. Yeah. And and that's all you care about is you care about the me, quote, talking about you. You're not worried about your teammates and their livelihoods and the chance of uh, winning an NBA title that you're putting at risk with your town foolery. You know, there's, there's a, there's, uh, you need to stick to the rules and because you don't want to. All right. If you're LeBron James and you want to have that talk with your teammate, who's to say your teammate wouldn't say, you know what? Screw you, LeBron. I don't care who you are. I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. Well, now you're going to have to snitch on him anyway. First of all, you're projecting. Second of all, you're being judgmental. That's right. I'm judging you for putting my money at risk. Let's go back to number one. You scumbag. You're, pro- you're projecting. Yeah. You're just going to assume that I'm going to be the one that's going to go outside the bubble and do some things that is going to jeopardize my team's ability to potentially win a championship. You're projecting. You're pointing again. What yeah, I'm you saying You've been pointing is, all day. What I'm saying is I'm not going to snitch on my teammates what are you gonna do if about they it? do it. What are you going to do about it then? Like BT said, you bring him in, you say, listen. What if that doesn't work? Here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. There is a much bigger prize at hand here. I know that lady of the night that you slipped into the DMs. I know she's there. I don't think they're all ladies of the night. I just think they're... The lady of the night's going to be there in a couple of... Let's win a championship, and then you can have all the ladies of the night that you want in your own apartment. In your own house. But right here, come on, boys. Let's win a championship. All right. That's how I'd handle it. All right. I'm not going to pick up the snitch hotline phone and start snitching people out. Now, let me present to you this. Let's say you do that. And they don't listen. They go right back out the next day. Now what are you going to do? Kill them. <laughs> you kill them? You, you can't kill them. With oh, kindness. Man. You guys Look didn't let me finish. Oh, God. 
Then let me finish. Now you call that snitch hotline and uh, whatever. I don't know if it's a tactical team or whatever. Mm-hmm. Jumps through the window on <laughs> or, ropes <laughs> and and they 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 take your ass out. Do you think it's Mickey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he breaks into the room. So it, big ass hands. Buzz Lightyear. What it happens? Uh, you, you read the account of uh, Jimmy Butler got uh, yes. security called on him. Yeah, for nothing. For he was he was, he was working out in his room. Yeah. He's quarantined, right? So, uh, and I understand if you if anybody's ever been in a hotel before, you know when somebody's uh, you feel like an elephant's above you. But the dude. Security comes to his door. Jimmy Butler is in workout gear. He's sweating bullets and got a basketball in his hand. He goes, what? So go, somebody called security. Uh, a complaint. <laughs> what the hell? What do you want me to do? Is Jimmy, out. Is Jimmy Butler dribbling or is he having sex? <laughs> He's dribbling a basketball. I'm sorry. Did you read that piece about him waking up and getting to the practice facility? I think when he first got traded, um... He was showing up at like three thirty in the morning. Had a boy to work out. That's like he's, that's earlier than Mark Wahlberg starts working out. That's true. He's and like he's a four a.m. guy, and he's got like multiple workouts. Well, and he schedules time to be with his kids. I think that's from nine to nine thirty a.m. <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, get thirty minutes, kids. That is the Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> what do you guys want to do? System. Yeah. Just uh, I don't know if this falls under snitching in general, but I, I believe that they're everywhere, right? And maybe they're for the greater good, like Ron was talking about. Maybe it's just because people just kind of like to snitch. We got a random email yesterday, and hey, random ain't the word because. Usually emails don't pop up unless there's, like, something that popped up, like somebody complained about something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but So we have microphone muffs, okay, that, that go on. They're, like, <laughs> they're like wind guards, whatever. Yeah. But it's it, what you talk into, and it's right. essentially it's what you're screen. spitting into uh, for yeah. four hours a day. It, it helps so you don't pop your peas. You yeah, nobody wants to pop their yeah. peas. So when you have you this hear what that sounds like? On, yeah. There you go. Sounds like hear that that pee popping. Terrible. So we get an email yesterday, uh, basically saying uh, it's come to our attention uh, that uh, (laughs) that's our (laughs) boss. Hold on, that's our boss that sent out the email. So I wouldn't talk. You know, somebody. That's just how I read the script. That's I totally agree. It was in that font. It has come to our attention that some people have been leaving their windscreens. And uh, COVID passes through these. Look, somebody snitched. Mm -hmm. Somebody said, "Hey, I sat down again. There was a windscreen sitting here." Instead of just, you know, taking her off, putting the sanitizer on and putting your own windscreen on, decided to go complain about it. You know, whatever. Whatever you want to do. It is what it is. But you're a snitch. Know that. Who do you well, think it is? I don't know. Who do you think it was? I really don't know. You know, we but we have five I, stations. I, I forgot mine so many times. But you wrote on it now. Don't no, forget. It, it, it says right where I speak into it. It says don't forget. Yeah. Or right now it says uh, Tegroff Denat. Yeah. Same deal. What do you suppose the uh, it has come to our attention font is hmm. in an email? Helvecchia. Helvecchia. Nah, standard, I, I feel like it's Comic Sans. Mm, no, it's, I mean, you got to be serious. It's not New Times Roman. That's official. No. Yeah, that's that's like, sure. hey, you're in trouble. Yeah. So we have five radio stations within our little Hubbard uh, family here. It doesn't necessarily, it, it might not be, it, we, it might not have been one on one. I don't know. It came from our boss, though. But he does run a few different stations. He did, well, he's yeah, he's the he's in charge of a lot of stations. So it's either us or the Point or New Country. Who do you guys think it was? Probably the Riz Show. I think it was the yeah, Riz Show. Absolutely, the yeah, Riz Show. I think it was the Riz Show. They're kind of disgusting. Wait, are they are they the ones that left him or the ones that complained? They left the ones, them. No, they complained. They complained. You think so? Com- uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I have them as they complained. complained. Absolutely. Yep. We got into our studio and there were muffs everywhere. Right. And then they walked down the hall into our, and like, peered in our studio like a bunch of 
what? Tattletales. Yeah, tattletales. And they looked in and they're like, oh, those guys also leave their bike. bike <laughs> okay. See, that, that is all a, over the place. That's frivolous snitching. That's nonsense. And then if they ran it up the flagpole. But if you're an NBA player, hey, you better not step out, fool, because you're, you're screwing with my money and my bonuses, and I want to play basketball and Fair. win a title for my teammates because I'm a great teammate. Fair enough. I'm snitching on the other good players. That's yeah. basically where I'm at. I like your uh, approach there, yeah. BT. BT, Chris Ranji, Anthony Stalter. Guys like hypotheticals? Well, you're about to get the mother of all hypotheticals. Next in the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Don't pull over. You're in the fast lane. Broadcasting live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. <laughs> All right, I got a pretty good hypothetical for you. What if I told you? What if I told you? Yes, go on. What is that from? What if I told you? The ESPN. What if I told you that Deshaun Watson was not selected by the Houston Texans? Nobody was. Oh, oh my God, that would be so great. But instead, he was selected. Oh. By the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City Chiefs else. trade up to get Deshaun Watson, not Patrick Mahomes. Does Deshaun Watson have as much early career success as Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> okay, don't forget, Meat's running wow. the board. And he's a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. Big. Enormous. What do you think? No, I don't think he has as much. Honestly, I, I do believe that there is Mahomes has a skill set that I think it's very obvious when you watch him. It's just superior to kind of the other guys out there. It's no disrespect to Deshaun Watson. It's no disrespect to Lamar Jackson. Uh, but it's just it's different, man. It, the guy it, he's got the physical prowess. He's got the rocket arm. He, he's got everything that you could possibly want. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe that if you let Deshaun Watson go to the Chiefs, play for Andy Reid, sit a year behind Alex Smith, I believe that Deshaun Watson could easily have led you to a Super Bowl. I, I really think that he could. Now, all of the individual success, all of the numbers, I still believe that Mahomes would be higher, but that doesn't mean he couldn't be a Super Bowl quarterback there. Here's here's what bothers me about the uh, situation in general. You know what? I should take personal feelings out of this because every time I hear uh, those two names brought up, you know what I'm thinking. Um, I, yeah, 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 right, right, great, whatever. <sighs> Patrick Mahomes is a That's is it. a better, more talented quarterback. Okay, I don't think there's any question about that, and I think it's obvious that, at least for me, anyway, no matter where he ended up, ultimately this talent of his would have been realized. Maybe it takes a little bit longer. He's probably not going to be a uh, Super Bowl MVP right away you know, in his career, but maybe it takes a couple of years before you start to realize, okay, this guy's really, really good. And when I see him, I wonder how teams in evaluating, and I know there were a, a, at least a handful of teams that were concerned about, you know, the risks he used to take in college, the style of quarterback he was. How do you look at the prof- the, the way the professional game has changed over the last five to seven years, how do you not look at him and go, we can do a lot with that guy? Mm-hmm. How does how does any team 
not Kansas City necessarily, but how does any team look at him and go, we can't do anything with that? Right. Deshaun Watson is the same situation for me. Okay, I'm but not sorry. But not quite as good. But follow-up to that. Yeah. Is there a guy that played one year at North Carolina on the board when Deshaun Watson is also on the board? Is there anything else we can talk about? No. All right. Here's the thing. I actually think that Deshaun Watson under Andy Reid would have every opportunity at this point to play for a Super Bowl. I think I agree with that. And that's hard to that's hard to say without the feeling of taking something away from Patrick Mahomes, which I'm not. I'm I'm elevating Deshaun Watson, taking nothing away from Patrick Mahomes, and I'm also elevating Andy Reid. I think he's one of the best and most innovative offensive play callers and offensive coaches that we have seen, certainly in my lifetime. I think he'll go down as one of the better offensive coaches in NFL history when it's all said and done. So I think that highly of Watson, that highly of Andy Reid. Watson's the first quarterback to average seven point yards per pass attempt and a 5% touchdown rate in each of his first three NFL seasons since Dan Marino. I'm really interested to see how he fares without DeAndre Hopkins, because that obviously is a Hopkins Hopkins has always been there, and Hopkins is one of the best wide receivers in the game. So I would think some of the numbers would be adjusted for Deshaun Watson. But this guy has had no coaching. But what about in Bob? Houston. You None. still got you got Bob. What about Bob? Great movie. There you go. Is that great is movie? The Ponce de Leon thing. I feel like I made made up for that. Nah, the somebody. I mean, you just said what about Bob? Yeah, somebody earlier. That wasn't really a pun. Yeah, I mean, you spun it into a movie, I guess, but. Uh, a texter earlier says that Anthony Anthony has no problem with puns. He just doesn't like puns de Leon. Okay. That was good. All I right. like that oh, one. Oh, you like that one, do you? <laughs> yeah. You like that one. Okay. I like that one. Then where were you earlier? A little bit more play. Well, it's play on words. It was good. It's a big hat. Ponce is Funny. a great option to explore. That is a terrific pun. <laughs> it's just, it's really good. Okay. It's really good. You guys are just upset because I'm not saying, I'm not going overboard with it, but I'm not saying it was bad. I just it was want just real so laugh. solid. Like, like yeah, but we got to have real funny stuff. But have, no, you have didn't a little laugh. fun. No, I, I thought that was a bad one. <laughs> yeah, I think it was good. Not yours, the the Ponce de Leon one. We just had a lot of those ones. The Explorer and, you know, Randy had yeah. like 70 of them. Yeah, he always had one ready to go. I just it, I thought it was a nice uh, throwback. It was. It was, it was cool. nostalgic. It was right. it, look, it was so, can, But I think Deshaun Watson d- does have as much early seasons, early career success as Patrick. Let's Mons, further the conversation there because Deshaun Watson is he's a really good quarterback. He's a really talented quarterback. Let's just talk about ju- just in general landing spots. Like you have no choice. You play in college and you hope to get drafted, and everybody wants to be first overall, or everybody wants a team to uh, you know be, be drafting third, but then trade up to second to take you. Like everybody wants to have that scenario, but. You don't know what you're getting into. It's a crapshoot. You get your name called, you go put on a hat, and then all of a sudden you get into an organization and either you say, hot damn, this fits me. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. You're, you're Mahomes. You're like, oh, my God, you're going to – Andy Reid, you're going to take me under your wing and we're going to go do our thing? Or are you Jared Goff and you get drafted and Jeff Fisher is ah. like, here's what we're going to do. And he's like, oh, shoot. What? It, what? Like where you end up getting drafted and the team that ends up taking you, I think has a large amount to do with the success you have. You dropped going seven and nine. You dropped an F bomb there a second ago. That is the most not. underrated aspect. Fun in life. Jeff Fisher? <laughs> Freedom. Fit. Oh, fit. Fit. 
Fit is underrated. And maybe it's a messed up system that you have more choice going into college as a quarterback than you do going into professional football. True. Very true. Yeah, I mean, you have to be wanted. Somebody has to want you, but if you're good, uh, you get to pick which college you go to. Very true. Coaching matters. Fit matters. Well, luck matters. Let me let me ask you Andrew? this. Let's let's reverse yeah. this. What if Patrick Mahomes ends up in Texas? I think he still has success because he's Patrick Mahomes and he's that good. And he got traded already. <laughs> <laughs> so now he's an Arizona Cardinal. Yes. <laughs> so that's yeah. There's that. Always putting too much pressure on me to win. We gotta get him out of here. Gotta go. Gotta yeah. go. Uh, now that was funny. Mahomes, I still think Mahomes. I, think, I still think Mahomes has success because he's Patrick bleeping Mahomes. Like he's that good. But coaching, coaching matters. And another listener asks: Does Mitch have the same success as Mahomes if he goes to Kansas City? The answer no. is the answer is no. <laughs> no, because the Chiefs. Well, the Chiefs aren't that stupid. They would look at Mitch <laughs> Trubisky and go, "We need that guy." Right. Unless there was the talent, nobody left. The talent does have to be there. Yeah. Deshaun Watson is is a talent. What I'm saying is he's got uh, zero coaching in Houston. He, he would have a lot of coaching with Andy Reid in Kansas City, and I think he'd be excellent. BT, to your point, I mean, I, I, th- when you talk about fit and landing spot and things like that, the, the number one guy that comes to mind is Drew Brees. I was thinking Tom Brady. Tom Brady's a yeah. That was probably the number two better guy. one. He's number two. The number two guy. Well, Drew I think Brees of. is a great one. Brees goes from San Diego, and he wants to sign with the Miami Dolphins. He wants to sign with Nick Saban. Nick Saban wants Drew Brees. Nick Saban's coach, uh, training staff, or medical team, I should say, comes to him and says, "Drew Brees's shoulder will not heal. Dante Culpepper's knee. Now that puppy's going to heal. You got to sign Culpepper." So he does. Mm-hmm. Rest is history. Brees winds up with Sean Payton in New Orleans, winds up winning a Super Bowl. I think Drew Brees was always going to have an excellent career. I don't know if he's Drew Brees' record record breaker if he winds up in Miami. And Saban's a good coach, but who knows if Saban still doesn't go to Alabama. He might not. You get the right quarterback, you probably stick around in the league for a long time. Right. Anthony, we get another text of the Air Comfort Service text line 65780 that says, I missed it. Why does Anthony hate Daniel Ponce de Leon? I don't. He doesn't Daniel like exploration. I don't. Yeah, he does. You didn't miss anything. No, he he, he didn't I like don't. a pun. I did like the pun. I couldn't no. tell. <laughs> I did like the pun. Unbelievable. Fun. You're not a pun guy. BT, Chris Ron, Jimmy Anthony Salter. You guys spin a lot of crap we on this show. Lot of you spin a lot of crap, but you know what? Seeing is believing. Did I tell you? Did I tell you real quick about the uh, daycare by my house? What happened? I didn't tell you about this. No. Oh, the peekaboo incident. You didn't read about it. What? Yeah, the I big would, peekaboo incident. Yeah. At the daycare. Uh-huh. I would like to hear about oh, the peekaboo yeah, it was incident. Bad man. All the kids ended up in the ICU. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing is believing. ICU. What do we yeah. believe? Over 60... What will we believe? I'm just going to power through here. What do we believe over a 60-game stretch? Anthony. When it comes to the Cardinals and their statistics. Anthony. Yes? I realize the mountains aren't just funny. They're hill areas. (laughs) That's next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. You've come to Fastlane. Brought to you by Schnucks on 101 ESPN.
202. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brad Thompson and Chris Ronchi. I'm Anthony Stalter. Seeing is believing, gentlemen. What do you think people are willing to believe, Cardinals fans are willing to believe, over a 60-game stretch? Because there's going to be the mother of all sample sizes here, or small yeah. sample sizes there is, that is. I think that people are going to believe what they want to believe. Uh-huh. That's the easiest thing. So to give you an example of what I think people are going to want to believe during a 60-game season, if Matt Carpenter, uh, an all-star for you, a guy that has, had carried you offensively for a couple of years who had a miserable year last year, not to downplay that, but if Matt Carpenter had a, a bounce back this year in 60 games and he looked like he was driving the ball the other way with power, he could turn on a fastball inside, uh, he hit well with two strikes again. I really think that people would say it's just 60 games. Like What would he have done in the second half of the season? We saw him play a good half a season two years ago. I don't believe it. Mm-hmm. If Dylan Carlson got the opportunity and he struggled a little bit, oh, the kid's a kid. He's got to learn somewhere, gotta right? Play. Hey, got to figure it out. Got to give him opportunities. I, I think that people are going to believe. To, to me, that's the that, that that is such a fun part of this season because um, it, it's hard to figure out. 162 games shows you a lot about a player, and you get to figure out a lot, and you'll see ups and downs. You don't really have time for the roller coaster to go up, down, and back up again in 60 games. So I think whatever preconceived notion that you have about a player coming in, I think that's what you're going to believe. Yeah, people want to be right. That's essentially what you're saying. People want to be right. So if you've been dogging on Matt Carpenter for a year now, and he goes out and has a good year, BT, to your point, <laughs> small sample. Small sample. <laughs> there is a, you know what it is? I don't know if it's so much about wanting to be right. It's just very difficult to change people's minds once they've made them up. Because they, they need a lot of evidence. If if they've already decided something, uh, it, it for a lot of people, it's very difficult to be open-minded and take in more information. And this goes for a lot of stuff. Like a lot of stuff. We're going through a lot of it right now, actually. It's very difficult once you're told, actually, what you think is not really true, and here's why, and here's all the information as to why, nah, nah, I don't think so. No, I think I already know. I already know that Matt Carpenter is not very good because I've I've seen it. So I, I totally agree that if he had a good 60 games, people would say, well, he was good for half of a season a couple of years ago. So what? You know, that doesn't mean that's him. doesn't mean that he's back. Mm-hmm. It just means that he went on a pretty nice run of a couple of months. Which, and- of course, would be... True. I mean, to some degree. Yeah, but it but it would not, for the future, mean anything more to them. It would just mean, yeah, so what? That was two months this year. Mm-hmm. What's he going to be for 2021? And some of the doubt, I think, would be justified because of those things. But I think people automatically default to what they already believe, and it's it's very difficult for them to think anything else. But when it comes to a young player, the prospect of all young players is they're on the way to improving. That that whatever it is they're doing, well, they're just they're just progressing, and this is part of development. Mm-hmm. So, if a young player over two months does something really really good, like Dylan Carlson, I will probably fall into this. If Dylan Carlson for two months just rakes, if he comes up and he's with the team for most of this season, I'll say, yep, that's the natural progression of a guy who's going to be really really good. And why and why is that though? Why would you Why would you be like, yep? I, I think part of because I already think I know what I 
what I believe he's going to be. And you want to be right? It's not about wanting to be right. It's just that's what I think. You made a good prediction? I mean, I don't care about that. I, just, I, I want him to be good. And I think he's going to be good. I think it's human nature to have an opinion on something. And want it to pay and off. And want it to pay off. And and ha- and and you can look at something. So in your case, Dylan Carlson. A lot of people's case, Dylan Carlson, right? Say, Dylan Carlson, you've been on a kick for the last couple of weeks. Dylan Carlson needs to be in the lineup mm-hmm. from the get-go. And if Dylan Carlson in the first two weeks winds up, first week, because that'll, that'll be within the seven days, he hits a home run, game-winning home run. You come on the radio the I next told day. You. You're probably I told going you to be, like, be there. This is why yeah. I suggested he should be on the in on the roster from opening day. Feels good. Oh yeah, there's That's satisfaction right. in it. I just I I think well maybe there are two things here. It, it could it's partly that, and it's also that once you have decided something, uh, you it, it's just very difficult to be convinced otherwise. And I don't think it's the element of wanting to be right. I just think it's. It, it's hard to change your mind when you think something. Okay. I think those are the same thing. Yeah, I think so. You gave me kind of a, you met me halfway on that, so I'll, I'll take it. I'll I, take uh, it as a win. I think it, it will be fun too to see who gets the uh, who, who gets the. Oh, I was there was a pandemic. It was a pandemic, and then like for example, not going to happen, okay? Because I believe this guy is going to win a Cy Young. Jack Flaherty, though, if Jack Flaherty in a crazy world, which is twenty twenty, struggled. He's well, he's a pandemic. Yeah, so what? Like, what that's a lot to, right. to work through. Yeah, I mean, holy hell! I mean, mm-hmm. how can anybody hold it together? Right now, uh, maybe this is semantics, but in that scenario you're talking about, that's just changing people's minds. It's not about wanting to be right. It's just you already think he's good. I mean, I already believe Jack Flaherty is good. That's fair. So if something bad happens for two months with him, I'll say, oh, pandemic. Yeah. Goldie struggles mightily this year. He's overpaid. He's over the hill. He's both of those things. I I would pretty much think that that would be the narrative with that player too. If you're questioning Goldie going in, maybe like a year ago, if you're if you were somebody that was that was a Cardinals fan and you're watching the Goldschmidt play last year and he did not have a bad year, he just no, wasn't, wasn't him, yeah. right? If you're if you've been somebody that's like bad trade, Carson Kelly ripping up the league. Ripping up the National League. There See, weren't too many people that had deal. that one, I hope. I don't but, think very many people are going to say that. But there have been Honestly. people but that... a preconceived notion. But there have yeah. been people that have said, you know, look, Paul Goldschmidt isn't the guy that he was in Arizona, yeah. right? Even though nobody was watching Arizona Diamondback games before to really have a solid opinion on that. And if you're questioning Goldschmidt going in, and he has a so-so 60 games, that's just fuel for your fire, Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Are we confused again? Can I stand next to your fire? What's up? What's up? It's with five o'clock. Wait, who's what do you mean? Fired? It's five ten. Who's fired? What? Somebody? Nobody f- yet. No, no, I don't think anybody's going to get oh. fired. Jimi Hendrix. Let me stand next to you. Thank you. Will that you wasn't believe, even a pun. Uh, let me give you one more player because it's a player that that is polarizing at this point because I don't know, we just don't know what he is yet. If Harrison Bader put together a good 60 games, or however many games it is, he figured out a way to get on base, do you think that people would buy into him, or would you say it's only 60 games and we haven't had a chance to really see what Harrison is? That's a good one, because I thought you were going to go with Dexter Fowler. It'd be harder to change people's opinions on Dexter Fowler. Because he's a veteran player. like You kind of know what he is. But with Harrison Bader, if he plays great defense and he goes on a tear... 
for 40 out of the 60 games. I mean, he has just an, an epic tear. I think people could change their minds a little I agree. bit with Harrison I, Bader. I think what they'll do is they'll say, let's see more of that. I, I think I think people will be encouraged. Yes, it'll be it'll be encouraging. It's it's cautious optimism is what it would be. Like I I saw a lot of good out of him in this short season. Let's see if he can do it again. So you wouldn't go into twenty twenty one like a lot of people have gone into twenty and twenty twenty and say why is he starting in center field? Like why is he for sure like pencil or, or inked in right. to the starting lineup? I also wonder real quick just from a. From a club perspective, we're talking about from a fan perspective. We had a preconceived notion. That notion either pays off or it doesn't, or, or we make excuses or we don't. Either way, that doesn't matter. But from from a club perspective, in a 60-game season, knowing the randomness that is there, you have to still make decisions for the following year somewhat based upon what you've seen here in this season, in this shortened season. I wonder how that part of it works. Like, I think about pitching side. If everybody's dealing, look, Adam Wainwright, I love him. I want him to come back next year. If you have everybody dealing, you got Ponch, you got Gomber sitting there, you got some young guys uh, coming behind them. Like, do you think to yourself, like, okay, well, I just saw all these guys deal again. Like, right. is there room? Like, you have to make decisions based upon what you're seeing as well. Honestly, I know the Cardinals. I, every team wants to win going into every season. I am perfectly okay conceding the 2020 uh, calendar year, whatever you want to call it. I'm perfectly hell. comfortable. Okay, yeah, it's hell. I'm comfortable with them just saying, you know what, this is. This is going to be our evaluation year, and if we happen to win in the process, great. That I'm fine with that. If that's the way they want to play it, sure. You know, and even in that, I would be willing to give on the Dylan Carlson thing, where I think he should be up for all sixty days, all sixty games of the season. He should be here from the very beginning because I do think he's going to end up being one of their best players. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I think he's going to be. But I would give on that. If this, if they truly just use this year as an opportunity to really evaluate their young players, so they know for sure what they need for 2021, I'm fine with that. That's Chris Ranji, and he's already questioning Jordan Bennington. We'll tell you why. What? Next on the fast line on 101 ESPN. It's the fast line on 101 ESPN. Uh, Chris Ronji, why are you down on Jordan Bennington? Questioning him. How do we really know if he's good? I just wanted to make you mad. I just wanted to make everybody upset. He won a Stanley Cup for the Blues last year, man. LGB. Prove it. Prove it. Pizza.com, Scott? You want to see some f***ing emotion? We're Stanley Cup champions, baby! By the way, uh, I... I, We got receipts. Have you guys seen this Cardinal bird? Show me the bird? receipts. Have you seen this yeah, Cardinal no, bird that the always... This same bird, same I, bird, I believe it is, hangs out in the mornings as well Does with he? you, man. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, man. Every single time I look over during the show around this time. I'm going to take a photo. I'll yeah, tweet it out. Take a picture of the bird. At Anthony Stalter. I'll tweet it out. It's, uh... What should we name him? It's our him? buddy, man. Probably... Car- you know, if, I, if my, my kid was named, it would be Cardinally. No, we cardinally, don't want Cardinally. Cardinally Cardinal. What about like, uh... Like Dunk. Oh, you know what? That should we name Dunk? Yes, of course that All should right. be Dunk. Now we got to find out if that's a male or a female. That's or because because okay. How do we Ranji, know? Pizza.com. Female female Cardinals. They're that's a female. It is because yeah, the male Cardinals are all red. Yeah, 
Female what's cardinals f- are like brown-ish. There you go. That's so a what's female a cardinal. female dunk name? Um, what about 16 for his number? It's a weird name for a bird. It's a bird, though. 16. Yeah. Well, okay. We'll go with it. We'll, we'll workshop it, okay? Okay. But let's go with 16 You said we'll go for it. Yeah, we'll put a pin in it. <laughs> All right, fair enough. All right, Ranji. Sorry, buddy. This bird uh, stopped by. 16 stopped yeah, by. Yeah, I don't even know what we're talking about. We're talking about Jordan Bennington. Yeah, what about him? Going into the postseason, how do we really know? How do we really know about an athlete? Uh, well, Jim Thomas wrote about it at uh, stltoday.com last night. And I think it's a I think it's a fair question to ask because we still don't have a a huge track record with him. Like I I think he is who he is. I think what we've seen from him, I think he's established himself. I think it's a, for me it's enough time um what he did in that short period of time I think is enough to prove that he's pretty darn good and we should feel confident in him. I mean we did spend a lot of time during last season questioning whether or not he was going to be able to keep this up. And he did for most of this season, too. Uh, So I don't really have a whole lot of doubt that he can continue that going into this playoffs. But I think it's fair to, to ask the question and to not be entirely sure. I feel confident in it, but if other people don't, I think that is a completely reasonable position to have right now, just because he is still relatively inexperienced. I guess the question then begs... What is the experience point where you say, all right, I know that's not a fluke. I know that's not a uh, one-and-a-half-year wonder. <laughs> like, what's the experience? Three years, generally, Three. for me. But there's a stipulation. If you win me a championship, it's one. Okay. I mean, and I'm being pretty serious here. Because Mahomes, Mahomes has only started two years, yes, so that would fit when, under the three. When I've Probably seen when I've seen you perform at the highest level, when the pressure is as high as it can be, then I believe in what you do. Like, like I believe that that is there, and that's the way that I, I feel about Bennington. I get it. Like I get the 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 talking points at, at the very least of well, we don't know. Like his numbers this year aren't as good as they, they were last year. Is that a regression? Yeah, I mean, technically, yes. I mean, that, that is a regression from what he did last year. But, um, you know, I was just going to say when, uh, you know, when the pressure gets turned on, you know, when the fans are on you, they're not going to be on them. I mean, there's there's no fans. There's not there, That won't be a problem at all. Do I look nervous? No, he, he doesn't NASCAR. look nervous. I mean, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, NASCARs, they packed in, what, 20G, mm-hmm. uh, 20,000 people the other day. It seems like an interesting idea. Go, NASCAR, go. Left turns only. We haven't talked about NASCAR in a couple of weeks either. Well, well, that was it right there. How we'll about circle Bubba? back? Oh my yeah. God! You just—that was good. That was it. Like you, Thank that you. was funny. That's, that's, see, now that's better. That's Thank not you. bad. Circle back see, to it. Text line. I'd, yeah. <laughs> I like buns. Yeah. No, nah, that was that was really good. I'm into the puns. Your Bubba going off on the. Uh, he was not happy. Was his name McDowell? No, uh, no. I, don't I think it's was... McDowell. What are we talking about? He, uh, yesterday, Bubba got spun. Yeah, and uh, wrecked, and then he just. He just kind of laid into some other driver and said he was a joke. Mike, no, you're right. Funny. Sorry, Roger, you're right. Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell. There you go. Yeah, Bubba Wallace not happy. It was an early end for Bubba Wallace at Bristol after he was sent into the wall, courtesy of Michael McDowell, wow. in stage one of the All-Star Open. Fighting for third place, Wallace nudged McDowell, Robbins Racing. That's right. In the turn to not spin him, but get him a little bit loose to try and possibly pass. McDowell did not like that, and it went on for uh, he went on for a clear pass. Then the crash occurred. Wallace later called him a joke during an interview. <laughs> it's pretty good. 
He almost cussed, too. Guy's a joke, says Bubba Wallace. Apparently, we got When you get hooked right rear in the wall, it's, uh, I've already, I don't even need to see a replay. Look at that shit. Yeah, wow. One of the, people say one of the nicest guys in the garage. Can't wait for the god text that he's going to send me about preaching and praise and respect. <laughs> what a joke he is. <laughs> Get him. Wow. Get him. So when I, when I saw it last night, I said, damn it, is this, do NASCAR drivers, like, crap talk each other like this all the time? Because if they do, I need Probably to watch a whole lot time. more. That was really interesting. Well, I, I think that they what do. that tells you is the intricacies just in general of the sport. Like, you would watch that, and, and if you are not an avid NASCAR fan, you'd look and say, oh, he probably made a mistake. He misjudged his gap, or he just didn't know. No, nah, that's intentional. Like, mm-hmm. every bit about it, the way that Bubba Wallace is reacting right there is said, that mother did it on purpose, <laughs> and I'm going to get him. Mm-hmm. Somehow, some way. Threw the God at him, too. Anyways. God-fearing man. But going back to Jordan Bennington. Yeah. Um... I think there's a difference between if you can ask any more from him ever again or what's his career going to be after now. Those are two different questions. The first question, you can't ever ask for anything else from Jordan Bennington. Right. He has done everything you ever needed any goaltender, if you're a Blues fan, to do. He did it, and he should be pr- – if he turns into complete crap for the rest of this year – and next year, and the Blues say, okay, we can't deal with this guy anymore. And you never hear from him again. He has served Still his hero. purpose. He's a hero. Jordan Bennington is a hero for the rest of his career, for the rest of his life. Um, but I think it's fair to question what the rest of his career is going to be. Sure. You don't know. I mean, he. I think he'll be perfectly fine. Yeah. I, I think he's established, but the, there is a, it's, not, it's not a crazy question to ask. We got a really good comp, actually, sent in to the Air Comfort Service text line at 65780. It said, could Bennington regress like Matt Murray did with the Penguins when he lost his safety net in Marc-Andre Fleury? Like, that was one, like, like it was Maybe. Matt Murray's like, holy crap, he's the guy now. He took over midway through the season. He runs him through. They yeah. win a Stanley Cup. And then all of a sudden, he ain't the guy. So, I mean, it's a fair question. I, yeah. I get it. But so, and to say, like, you know about a guy, right? Like, like, you look at Bennington, you know. What I'm saying that, like, I know that in the biggest moments, you don't shrink, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I know that. That doesn't mean I know that you're going to be a superstar and I, and I know that you're going to be a perennial all star. I know, though, that I, I can trust you in, in those scenarios. And I feel the same way, and maybe it's too soon for him as well, but the sample size is about the same size with Jack Flaherty. Like, I watch the way that he competes. I look at his stuff. I Like, I see how he gets better. I, I watch, like, him thinking through processes. And I'm like, dude, this dude is a stud. Like, I know already. And it's not just because I saw one good half of baseball. Like, you're seeing a progression of a right. guy. But it's hard to really quantify and put your finger on something and say, all right, stamped and approved, I know what you are. What you just said there, the word that comes to mind is grit. Like Deshaun Watson has grit. I have seen him play in the fourth quarter of games or in overtime when he's pulling Houdini magic against the Col- or the Bills last year and know that guy's got grit. He hasn't won a championship yet, but I know that guy can play and he's going to be good. Jordan Bennington has a crap load of grit. You know in certain moments in games, like Game 7 against Dallas, when it's him and Ben Bishop, that you have the guy that's probably not going to crack. He has grit. That's the word that comes to mind. Everybody have a bolt here. What'd you say? 
You heard him. Everybody have a bulls here. That's right. Bulls? Yeah. I don't think you said bulls. Yeah. Huevos. Huevos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's a rub-off means? Yeah, he says that word. <laughs> I still don't know. Dude. Yeah. We'll find out. Him again today, too. Yeah, Glad he was great. great. Dude, the eat, eat, sleep, hockey. Yeah. You do you. Go get him. So here's the exact quote. Uh, talking about the bubble, the NHL bubble, um, we don't go there for a resort. We're expecting, where we are expecting unbelievable food service, like five-star summer resort. We're going to play hockey. I don't need much to live. I just need a bed and food. a boy. And you know what? I don't think that's honestly from him. I don't really think that's lip service. I think he's serious. I do too. I think he actually means every word of that. I think some players will... In every sport, would say, "Ah, oh, we don't need a whole lot. We don't need the all the accoutrement. We don't need that stuff. Mm-hmm. We just need the court and the the place to stay and place to sleep and give us a little bit of food and we'll be back out there the next day or the the rink or whatever." Um, but they don't mean it. I think he actually means that. That's Chris Ronji, Brad Thompson, and Anthony Stalter. A couple of days ago, I think it was I think it was actually Monday. We were discussing the fact that some real estate agent out in Washington, D.C., decided to trademark like 44 names that the new that, that Washington, the Washington football team could use. And what a big problem it was for Daniel Snyder. That problem pales in comparison to what the Washington Post just reported. We'll talk about it next year in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. WXOS and WXOS HD1, East St. Louis, 101 ESPN, powered by Lowe's. Don't miss Lowe's Just for Pros event. Going on now. Shop our new lineup of Simpson Strong Tie. Plus, get big savings on the brands you trust to get the job done every day, like Matabo HPT. Lowe's Just for Pros event, now through 724, U.S. only. Want to get hooked up with tickets to the biggest sporting events and concerts in St. Louis? Listen to 101 ESPN for your chance to text in and win on the Air Comfort Service Heating and Cooling Text Line. They clinched first place in their division years ago. The Fast Lane, brought to you by Schnucks on 101 ESPN. show when uh, Meat said, got some breaking news for you. And then we played the breaking news sounder. Yeah. And then he said that uh, the breaking news might be that there's breaking news coming at some point today. Well, we finally have that breaking news. The Washington Post reports that 15 former female employees have alleged sexual harassment during their time working for the Washington football team. Of the 15, only former marketing coordinator Emily Applegate was able to speak on the record. Most of the rest are apparently bound by non-disclosure agreements with the team, refusing to grant the release. The allegations date from as far back as 2006 to 2019, and the Post summarizes the allegations as falling into two categories, quote, unwelcome overtures or comments of sexual nature and ex- ex- exhortations, is that the word? Don't know, Exhortations. <laughs> to wear Close re- enough. revealing clothing and flirt with clients to close sales deals. Three of the men accused in the article, ex-radio announcer Larry Michael, former director of pro personnel Alex Santos, and former assistant director of pro personnel Richard Mann II, have already been fired. Not great. Not great news. 
Hey, there you go. So, yeah, that was it. Yeah, they're in trouble. Uh, well, Snyder in general, um, when when you have top to bottom, I mean, this isn't just an isolated incident, okay? Not that that's okay at all. But this one lands directly at the doorstep of the guy that owns the team, and rightfully so. I wonder for Snyder if this is the one that he can't dodge, that this is the one where they just say, all right, it's been a good run. See ya. We're going to find somebody else to run this new team. Mm-hmm. Could happen. Yeah, the you do wonder if the, the rest of the 31 owners say, enough is enough. Yeah. Let's, let's move forward here. I mean, a lot of this stuff is is kind of bad. You're going to have to go through and, and read it to get... There's uh, a lot. Yeah, I'm, I'm not even finished with it. <laughs> there's a there's a decent amount in here, like uh, the one of the, the pro personnel director. There were two of them. There was one, well, the, the main director, and then his assistant. They were both let go because they both were doing stuff, like uh, telling one employee that he wanted to kiss her in the break room and then telling her she had a nice butt, which is probably not a thing you're supposed to do at work to somebody who uh, works with you. And is not somebody you're dating. I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to do that stuff. That's not even the most of it. I mean, there's a lot of other pretty cruddy well, stuff that's happening in here. And for Daniel Snyder, he's allowing this to happen. And he apparently had a very paltry HR staff for a pretty big organization. I think they only had one person working and doing that job. Uh, you can't do that, man. Like, you just, you can't. You got to be smarter about it. You got to stay on top of this stuff. And I guarantee you, he knew about a lot of these things that happened and probably did very little about it until recently. Uh, one of the one of the saddest aspects of it is when you when you read the Washington Post report right out of the gates. It says a few months after Emily Applegate started working for the Washington Redskins in 2014, she settled, she settled into a daily routine. She would meet a female coworker in the bathroom during their lunch breaks, she said, to commiserate and cry about the frequent sexual harassment and verbal abuse they endured. That's the first paragraph. Nobody, man, woman, should be going to work every single day and feeling like, and this is a dream job apparently for uh, these fem- these female workers going to work every day and, fe- and feeling harassed in one way or another doesn't really it, it sexual or otherwise you should you should have the right and the freedom to go to work every day feel respected and not that you're going to meet a coworker in the bathroom to cry about the harassment that you're enduring there were stories it's, it's crap there's a, as far as I've gotten there was one story of a, a female employee who said she was walking upstairs. And a staffer, like a, a one of these guys, was behind her and like blatantly looking up her skirt just to see what, like, and and she said he wasn't even hiding it. That was the the quote. There was another one, a text message, the assistant, uh, play player personnel director sent, and telling an employee that she had a nice shirt on, and then said. Um, I'm sorry, it's an inside joke. It's a compliment. And she says, what's the joke? And he says, nothing. You look great. That's all. And she goes, well, I want to be in on these jokes. And he says, it's a lame boob joke. Mainly, we're wondering if it's real or fake. Like, if they are real or fake. Uh, Yeah, you can't do that. Like, that is the complete opposite of a, a good work environment. If you're one of these people, if you're one of these women... And a lot of them will tell you that it was like their first job in the NFL and they thought, okay, well, I guess this is just how it is and I need to suck it up and go along with it 
and not raise too much of a fuss over it, but there's no way that's comfortable for anybody to work in that environment. No, not at all. So, again, if you're just joining us, the Washington Post details that uh, 15 former female employees have alleged sexual harassment during their time working for the Washington football team. All right, what do you, what do you guys think? Daniel Snyder, in or out? I think he's going to be out, man. I, so I, I just I don't think that there is... Uh, I know they're changing the name because you know he really wanted to do that. He just right. did that at the goodness of his heart. Yeah. He wasn't forced yeah, he, into that one. He had an epiphany. There's not a, there's not enough there in a name change that saves his ass. I, I think that he finds himself on the way out. And honestly, for that organization, he's been a pretty crappy owner anyhow. It might be the best thing that ever happens to Washington football fans. Right. I would say so, and too. obviously everybody that works there because yeah. it's a cesspool. Yeah, it is. There was there was an article I think by the Athletic at one point that I read last fall where their 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 building is incredibly old and it's basically just a room full of cubicles. It's not like a, a massive building, several floors. You think an NFL team? Yeah, you think they right. have separate departments, yeah. things that yeah. It's it's like you walk up, you either go right or left, and either way, dumped in the same room. Everybody's got a cubicle. It not that not that there's anything wrong with that aspect of it, but it goes to the larger picture of what what's your culture. And Daniel Snyder, clearly, we're talking from the outside, but he clearly does not have uh, a winning culture there. And Inside I, or outside of the building, right? And I, I kind of don't sense that he uh, cares much about the well-being of people who work for him. Right. I mean, there's is there any evidence of it? Uh, I would say no. No, and it's very difficult to lose your position as owner of a team. But if and we were talking about this off the air, uh, if the rest of the owners in the league think you are hurting their product, you, your mm-hmm. your ass is gone. They will make sure you are out. Are you blank with my money, Dan? That's right. Got to go, got to go. Got to call the snitch hotline is what they'll do. Exactly. I don't think that hiring the Redskins, one formerly known as uh, the Redskins, the Washington football team hired D.C. attorney Beth Wilkinson uh, to review organization's protocol, including its culture, policies, and allegations of workplace misconduct. Um, I don't think that's going to cover it. I don't think so either. We're going to have somebody check it out? Right. Really? That's what we're going to do? No. Checks and balances here. Mm -hmm. here, here. The buck stops here. Hey, that ship has sailed. And by the way, there are uh, screenshots of texts that Richard Mann uh, in the, the organization. Assist, yeah, he was the yeah, assistant, assistant pro personnel man. Dude, they are not great. Like they're just they're in the piece, so you have to go back and and look through them yourself. But these guys are just idiots. All right, that's Chris Ranji, Brad Thompson. I'm Anthony Stoltz. With the Sports Six Pack is next in the fast lane. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Get your texts in at 65780. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack, presented by Schlafly Summer Lager, a St. Louis summer tradition. All right, fire us up, meet. Question number one. Fellas, we're going to get to the hard-hitting stuff here on question number one. July 16th, 2004. Do you know what a major event happened on that day? What, what was the date? July 16th, so 2004. July 16th. This date, 2004. Somebody got acquired? Was it a trade? Nope. It's the day Martha Stewart was sentenced to prison. That was going to be my, my second guess. guess. Yep. You guys uh, yeah. knew yep. that one. Yeah. 
What kind of inmate do you think Martha Stewart was? Oh, I bet she the was best a great of all inmate. time. Yeah. yeah. She no. probably made stuff out of uh, bars of soap. Yeah, like Shanks, dude. No, not exactly Shanks. Shanks. No, she yep. was. Yep, she gangster. did. She went in there and she was all of a sudden bout it, bout it. I got a feeling. Like, like that shit, she just seems like somebody that, that could go in there and... And all of a sudden, she she's wearing rocking the bandana, and she ain't taking crap from anybody. See, I I see my prison Martha Stewart as somebody <laughs> that is likely in whatever she has around her to make uh, a great cell, decorative baskets, uh, the curb appeal on the mm-hmm. cell, probably excellent. She's probably helping her fellow inmates she's as well. Always when she's in prison, bars she is, of soap, flowers out of bars of soap. And always wearing running shoes in case something pops off. Mm-hmm. She's got. She gets a you way can't better cell. Remember, than I do else, remember. Right? You can't wear sandals. Remember. Yes, like she's gonna have a decked out cell. I mean, probably. Yeah. VIPs. A, a lot of these celebrities that go to prison kind of have their own wing. Mm-hmm. She could probably slide her own jail cell door open if she wanted, and walk out. Probably. But you still gotta have a question shank, number two, just in case. On that note. uh... Earlier this week, Austin Rivers was walking through the Disney World compound uh, around the hotels. He walks by a building, and he's kind of complaining about the player hotel rooms. He shows a video of the entire building. He's like, oh, yeah, that's LeBron's. Just (laughs) joking about it. Do you think that there are certain guys that have much better rooms than everybody else? Yes. Uh, yes. I would yeah, think so, yeah. I think I'd go with LeBron one. What do you think that so, room looks like, though? Yeah. Nice presidential suite. It probably has multiple rooms. Probably Mickey's room. Uh-huh. What? So, all right, all right. If you're one of the players that, and I'm sure it happens in the NBA, because I know it happens in other sports, too, where maybe it's written into your contract that on the road you get nicer hotel rooms, you get a suite or something whenever you travel... Does that apply for the bubble, too? I think it would have to, right? I would think so. Aren't they obligated to find you a really nice room? Yeah, but if, if they're I, available. If I were LeBron, if I were a star player, I would want the same amenities as my teammates. Yeah. Seriously. No, I would I would want the presidential want to, suite. Yeah, me too. But I would definitely invite my teammates to come play cards. Like I forget who it was. I was watching somebody's Instagram video from like last night, I think it was, having a birthday party. There ain't no social distancing going on in the what? bubble. I mean, they were rocking. They they had at least, you know, fifteen guys around a table, everybody's partying, having a good time. So that would be my room, you know. Come hang out over here. And Ronji be calling the snitch police. No, on because you. they're no, they're team. in the bubble. They're in the bubble. You're okay, right? No, you're still supposed to stay six feet away, wear your mask at all time in the bubble. This is a real problem, then. I got to call the snitch hotline. Question number three. Get a text from the 314, our friend Coco James, uh, asking with the conversation around Dan Snyder, the possible owner change if it does happen in the NFL, how does that impact the players? If you're on the team, owners change, how does that impact you? Dude, good organizations. Look look at what good organizations have. Anthony, Ronge, what do they have? Good owners. Good leadership. Good, yeah, both. Ding, 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 ding. Both correct. I think it could... What did you? I, what it's did, not going to get worse. But what, what did you? What were you thinking? What do you mean? You said both I was thinking correct. good ownership. Yes. Yeah. I mean, see, so you were more. Correct. Yes. That's what I, I was thinking. But yes, yeah, I think it, it could actually help the players quite a bit if you actually got somebody in there that can lead people and not have an entire front office that's toxic. Right. I agree. Owners are leaders. I was Some, right. Well, yeah, but I was sometimes. thinking sometimes they should be. 
But don't Daniel you think Daniel Snyder's not a leader? All right. So when you're on the field, you're probably not thinking about what's uh, happening in the front office or who's the owner. But just having a a feeling going to work every day that you're going to work for an organization that's good. Mm-hmm. You probably you probably just feel better about going to the field every day. And I think there's there's something to that. Question number four. Uh, a lot of talk this week about Dak Prescott, the Cowboys, especially following the uh, Patrick Mahomes contract. What kind of leverage does Dak have with the Cowboys? Well, none currently. He's got to play the entire season on this franchise tag. And honestly, like, I, I don't think that he has that much, really. I mean, I, I believe it's 50-50. It's just kind of one of those things. Either you're going to pay him the amount of money that he wants or you're not going to pay him the amount of money that he wants. Like, I don't think that his leverage changes because of this. Have a winning season next year, go to the playoffs, win a playoff game, and any any team will be willing to pay. Not any team, but teams that are desperate for quarterback help will be willing to meet your Then he needs. gets tagged again, though. He might, yeah. He absolutely might. Then he can... Then you do it again. Well, <laughs> you, you, you say the leverage. Yep. Don't, don't play. That's the leverage. The leverage is I'm not going to sign the franchise tag. 38 million reasons to play. Fair enough. But yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, well, who does that? That's the that's that's the only leverage. Who was the last player that did that? He sat out ten games. It wasn't a wide receiver. I know Vincent Jackson way back in the day did that to Le'Veon the Chargers. Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. That's who yeah. it was. Thank you. Most recently, it was, it was Bell. Like, hey, don't play, and then force their hand, and they get James Conner, and then it's a whole deal. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> you're sitting there like, gosh, I'm not going to be able to make up that money. I want to play. Oh well. Question number five. Guys, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole last night. Karen videos. I uh, oh, I got boy. stuck and oh, I couldn't get out great. of them. Like oh, probably boy. an hour and a half. I Are spent you serious? Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Just like a lady freaking out in the gas station, then a super, like just over and over. I want to know. It, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm, I'm frustrated with myself because I'm like, why the hell do I care? Why, do, why am I watching right. this? But I can't stop. Do you guys have that that thing for you? For some people, it's like the pimple popping videos. They oh, love. God. Oh, yeah. What? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's a That's show a thing. About, like, people Dr. love Are you yeah, serious? That is My thing. girlfriend loves that show. Oh, oh Jesus. Yeah. Like that, cysts and uh, yeah. that is, that is pimples, a thing. blackheads. Oh, yeah. that, is all, that is totally a thing. Why would you want to watch that? Yeah. I don't know. I it's don't terrible. know. It's satisfying. For, for what? Some um, I guess I, like I bubble wrap. specific thing that I really like watch and I just can't stop watching. I'll do that with SNL videos, but I want to watch it. It's not like, like, why am I watching these? They're funny. I know why I'm watching them. I like watching videos of people doing dumb things and getting hurt. I don't mind that at all. Like, look at this idiot. Look, oh, come on. I don't think I like to see people getting maimed or anything, but if you... If you have an accident, you mm-hmm. fall on your face, and it's funny. Yeah, yeah I can watch those videos over and over again. There's some okay. on uh, on well, they're probably on YouTube. It's a Fail Army. You ever seen the Fail yeah. Army ones? Yeah, I, I enjoy watching those. <laughs> I can get down with that. The way you said the way you said that, you're like, yeah, I like yeah, it. I, I, I pour myself a little drink and watch some <laughs> Fail Army. That's a good night. Question number six. Oh, somebody texted in chiropractic, uh, chiropractic popping videos. Yeah, oh, I do like those too. I do, yeah, there's uh, a guy I do who get caught up in those. 
He's Who like watches a, that? It's it's very relieving. It's it's kind of satisfying. It's uh, it feels like you're getting. It feels like you're getting your back. Cracked. Yeah, they they put a microphone right on top of like the person they're adjusting, so it's, you're hearing everything. It's super enhanced and it's it's really calming. I know uh-huh. you go to the chiropractor. You you enjoy. I that. know. Yeah, Doctor Naputi gets me all locked in, but yeah. but I don't enjoy. I enjoy getting mine done. It's but when I watch the person next to me, I don't go. Oh man, I feel better. Look at the you. Co- there, there's, is it like ASMR is what they call it, I think? It, it's some like mental know. thing where um, you're... Is that the one where where like... Somebody texted in that very you? thing when you... Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. All right, I'm taking a crap so, right now. So, wasn't it last Super Bowl? Or I don't know what they say, up. you know? Yeah, last Super Bowl. Jacked up. Alicia Keys, they did that commercial. Wasn't it Mick Golden Ultra or something? Oh. And she was whispering the entire time. Like it was like a... It was exactly what you're talking about. And apparently that's soothing to people. It's okay. Creepy. All right. If you missed any of the show today, make sure you head to 101ESPN.com. Shows on demand tab. Podcast is right there for you, ready to go. Ranch, what'd you learn today? Well, what I learned today is that you're not a very good teammate. Okay. That you would jeopardize the entire bubble uh, because you wouldn't let the proper people know that there were other people jeopardizing the bubble. I don't think you're a very good teammate. You're messing with my money. You're messing with my quest for a ring because you don't want to stay in your room and do the job you're supposed to do and keep the rest of us safe. You're not a snitch, and that's a bad thing. I said that I would stay in my room, but I'm not going to snitch on anybody else. That's what I said. I think you're a great teammate, Anthony. Thank you, Meat. You can go next. That's all I was going to say. I think you're a great teammate because you would, in fact, not snitch. I know who I can trust around here. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ranj, that guy in the corner back there? Not so much. You better stay in line, pal. I'll call that hotline in a minute. He's he's watching you constantly. Guys, you know what? What is magnet fishing? I don't know. Somebody fish with a magnet. Yeah. Somebody texted <laughs> in. I, you should look up magnet fishing videos. One of the stupidest yet intriguing things ever. Okay. I will do that next. Fair enough. BT, what'd you learn? Well, I learned a couple of things. Look, we all have too much time on our hands. If we can watch people getting hurt, uh, me can watch Karen videos for an hour and a half and loves watching other people get their back cracked. I also learned that soccer can be fun if, in fact, you have money on it. Uh, you know what? Can't beat that one. I'll du- I'll double that. <laughs> Absolutely. EPL, I love this blank. <laughs> love it. Can't get enough of this crap. It, it's the replay is coming up next. You'll hear from Craig Berube, who was on with BK and Rivers. Mike Tannenbaum on with us. Jay Delsing as well. We'll be back tomorrow at 2 o'clock with the Fast Lane. See ya.